following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz, where we talk all things NFL. I'm your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the tenacious, titillating Tyler Dean. Tyler, welcome to the show. How are we feeling? We're getting closer to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're one week away. One week away from the big game. It's uh, That's going to be a fun one, I think. I think this is going to be a really, really great Super Bowl. I'm excited for it. it and if, for those of you, I mean, you probably all know already, we come down to Rams versus Bengals in the big game. That's the exciting part here. We got, you know, it's kind of some fresh groups here, right? Yeah. I Rams are kind of uh we're kind of an expected team, but the AFC um in a year we thought they're going to be very strong and it was a lot stronger than we even bargained for and a team that no one predicted to be in the playoffs is in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I didn't I don't think anybody predicted the the Bengals to to go waltzing their way in there. Um I a lot of people including myself, I mean, I had them losing out in the divisional round, I had them losing out in the championship round. So they have proven me wrong uh two two weeks in a row. And I got to say this last two weeks of football, like like the divisional round was really really good. That was probably the most fun divisional round I think we've ever had. But the conference championship round, just as good as the divisional round, right? 100%. Yeah. I, I it, had, it wasn't as good because you had two less games. That's the only reason. Right, right. But I had a lot of fun watching those football games. I, I, I think they were all really close and they were competitive. And I thought all the teams played extremely well. Uh, it was it was just fun to watch. A, a really, really fun game, uh, especially the AFC game uh, between Kansas City and the Bengals. Both of those games, extraordinarily fun. Both those teams played extremely well. Watching the, the you know, Mahomes take the lead early, and we're going to jump into that in a minute, But and, and then the comeback from Burrow and all that stuff. Wow, what a time. Um, I really enjoyed it. So we've got those scores um, all lined up. We've got some stuff we're going to be jumping into today. We're going to be jumping into uh, – you know, head coaching hires. We got the coaching carousel continuing, and most of the spots, believe it or not, have been filled. I think we only have three teams, right, that that need to pick head coaches at this point. I think we've got Saints, Dolphins, and Texans. Is that? I, I don't think there's any others, are there? Yeah, I mean, technically Vikings, but it's pretty much um, set in stone. Yeah, I think that's locked down um, at this point. The with the uh, but with technically that. speaking, I mean, something could happen still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're telling me, and we're gonna jump into that debacle shortly here. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a very interesting time in the NFL. We've got lawsuits, we've got you know controversies, we have uh, uh, coordinator hires, we have a, a president retiring, a team president retired over in in your area, neck of the woods there, and uh, a new one was named. We have a new team name that we've been waiting for for a while, even though it got leaked relatively early. We've got a new team name, so we're going to jump right in here. But first, let's let's jump in on the scores, Tyler. Are you ready to jump in on the scores? Do it up. All right. Well, here are your scores for the conference championships uh, this past Sunday, starting out with the Bengals and the Chiefs. 
Uh, you know what? This one, I, I was talking about it earlier. It, this was probably the most fun, wild game that, that we could have had. Chiefs take a lead early. They're up 21-3. to The Bengals come roaring back to win this game 27-24. I think the big story of this game, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about Joe Burrow and a lot of people are going to talk about that, that Bengals defense. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes and the night and day difference from first half to second half. I believe that he put up like a 98 QBR in the first half and a 1.4 QBR in the second half. It was an absolute messy, messy second half for Patrick Mahomes, right? It was, and I think, but I think a lot of it can be to the defense for the Bengals that's been kind of non-existent all year showed up in the second half. <clears throat> the weird thing about the Bengals defense right now is that the pass rush, uh, you know, and, and we can just John Gruden that one all day long about that pass rush, but you know, it's it's all about. Trey Hendrickson and the pass rush and the, the fact that they've been able to apply pressure consistently on these quarterbacks. We saw it in the divisional round. We saw it in the wild card round. We saw it in the, the conference championships now. And, and man, I got to tell you, I, Trey Hendrickson, it, is, is that not just like a home run signing for them at this point? It has been. He, he was okay throughout the year, but he's turned it on in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and everybody kind of crucified them for getting rid of Carl Lawson and just letting him go out the door. Trey Hendrickson comes alive and, and has really turned out to be a great signing for them. The Bengals' defense, even though they haven't been incredible this year, uh, they, they've been good enough to get them to to the level that they're at. And, and the Bengals' defense really, it, and it really is, you're right, a testament to uh, how they were able to, to shut down Patrick Mahomes in the second half of that football game. Uh, only allowing three points. Very, very impressive performance. I really enjoy the way the Bengals are playing. Is Joe Burrow the quarterback of the future, or is this an anomaly? What are we seeing here? It's starting to look more and more like I called it. What? The um, Joe Burrow? We had, we, had, we had the conversation in the offseason about Joe Burrow versus Herbert, and it's, it's starting to look like Burrow's twice the quarterback Herbert is. Yeah, I, I think that, that one thing I just want to point out, like, so last year when Joe, before Joe Burrow did go down, Joe Burrow did not play well. Whether or not anybody wants to admit it, he was not playing well at the beginning of the season and before his injury. I think he's developed really, really well into a very good starting quarterback in this league. Uh, I, Ju Justin Herbert, you know, obviously he's developed well, but I think that Justin Herbert has just sort of been a victim of circumstance. I, I, I think... Justin Herbert played his little heart out in that last week of the season. In my opinion, it should have been the Chargers in the playoffs over the Raiders. But alas, they didn't get it done. I, I just really believe that Justin Herbert, you get it. I hate to put it like this, but give him another year. And, and I think we'll probably see where Justin Herbert's at. I really do think he's going to be a stud. And I do think he's going to have a bust in Canton still. We're going to see these two is this going to be like the next Manning versus Brady type situation no because I, I think there's the AFC is so crowded when it comes to good quarterbacks right now so you got it's not we're in a situation where it's gonna be more than just Manning versus Brady because you you got Herbert you got Burrow you got uh, Mahomes you got Lamar you got Josh Allen yeah, and and I I can see that, and and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the AFC is going to be all fired up as far as great quarterbacks in this league. Um, it was just this is a great game. Uh, the, this game itself was just a great game, and and Burrow is just a, a he has overcome 
some really, really bad offensive line play. I just want to sit, point that out. And and I not he just he puts the narrative to bed about all oh, bad offensive line, bad offensive line. I'll tell you what, for a guy that has a bad offensive line, he sure as hell made his way through those playoffs and getting sacked nine times against Tennessee, and then and then having to deal with the the Chiefs. Really solid pass rush. Whether or not anybody wants to admit the Chiefs' pass rush is one of the top-notch pass rushes in this league. At the end of the day, he really stepped up and, and handled his business. He took advantage of the turnovers. This game did go into overtime. And when that coin flip happened, how many were, were you in my boat where you thought this thing was over as soon as the I Chiefs? Did. The I, th- I thought it was going to be over. I thought, I thought they were going to march right down. Yeah, that's that's what it was looking like, and and instead it, it turned out to be an interception, and then the Bengals get downfield. Well, fun fact: thirteen seconds, thirteen seconds into overtime is when the interception happened. Yeah, we they people were like, "Oh my lord!" Like it, it was thirteen seconds it took the Chiefs to get downfield to tie that game up. Thirteen seconds again for in the divisional round. Thirteen seconds it took Mahomes to throw that interception to the Bengals. So I I pretty happy about about that i just feel granted like the interception wasn't mahomes's fault no but it was still bowling shoe ugly um <clears throat> and the Bengals drive downfield is evan mcpherson the most clutch kicker in this playoff right now he's he's having a good playoff but we talked about it last week he, he's he's doing well especially as a rookie but he, he's still not in any topic of best kicker most clutch kicker we're not there yet yeah, I mean, it, it's still very early in his career. We've seen kickers, you know, just kind of fall apart, and, and it's it's nothing new. But Evan McPherson, he's having a great playoff. He's had a very good year for a rookie kicker. Um, yeah, I think he was in the high 80s as far as his— 84. Uh, yeah, oh, it was 84. Mm-hmm. As far as his, um, you know, being able to—his to his accuracy rating and being able to sink those tough kicks. And, and he's had a lot of kicks over 50 yards this year, too, if I'm not mistaken. But, I, yeah, Evan McPherson, I, I think— over the course of the next couple of years, if he can continue to improve his accuracy, we might see one of the best kickers in the league pretty soon here, the way he's playing. He's a very confident guy, and, and he was the one responsible for sending them to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, here we are. Bengals are your AFC champions. They beat the Chiefs. And then on the other side, you've got the Rams beating the 49ers in the NFC Championship game 20-17. to Matt Stafford makes it to his first Super Bowl. Very exciting times. And this one was another close one. And it really looked like the 49ers had this one locked up. And the Rams come firing back. I mean, it it was just Matt Stafford doing Matt Stafford things in the fourth quarter. He puts up 13 unanswered points and winds up bringing them back. Are the Rams the real deal? Do you think that the Rams, you know, deserve to be here? Did they exercise the demon of the 49ers in this game? I mean, after losing to them six times in a row, what do you think of these Rams? I, they, it, for three quarters, it looked bad. It looked like there was going to be a problem here. And then, but then Stafford and the offense turned it around late game and, and it, it it, to put an end to a story that we thought we were going to see another sequel of, and the, but instead, a, a new chapter, and the Rams pull it off. Yeah, and I want to point out in this game, uh, there were two guys that, that just tore it up, and they've been tearing it up all playoff. Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham. Cup has been tearing it up all year, but sweet Jesus, 11 receptions for 142 and two touchdowns. I mean, and then Odell had nine for 113. 
I mean, do you think Odell sticks around with the Rams, or do you think that that uh, you know Robert Woods just makes his way back next year, and then we just see Robert Woods return to the squad? It's really going to depend on on the health of Robert Woods. I mean, Woods and and Odell are about the same age. I, I think Woods is actually a little older. Yeah, I think he is too. All right, we're talking months. Yeah, but I mean, if I if I see and, and is Odell Beckham for real? Was he just in a bad place in Cleveland at this point, or I mean, has he? He's kind of. I mean, I, I I've been shitting on on Beckham even after he went there, even through the playoffs here. But he's kind of making me eat my words here. Yeah, he's been making everybody look stupid late late in the season here. Cooper Cup kind of slowed down late in the year a little bit, and Odell was the guy. And then even through the the wild card weekend and the the divisional round. Odell has been putting up really, really good numbers. I think OBJ, I think he was just in a really bad situation with a, a power run team over there in Cleveland. I think a guy like OBJ, he's going to benefit from good quarterback play, and that's what he's getting over here with the Rams. Matt Stafford, this is this is not the pad Stafford of old, okay? This is not the guy that's padding his stats in garbage time. This is a guy that is really competitive now, and he's got the, the weapons around him, and He's playing extremely well. You know, after 13 years of purgatory, he finally gets to go to the Rams and plays in a Super Bowl. Was this expected? I mean, was this another Tom Brady-esque situation where, where, hey, they traded for their quarterback and now he's just going to come roaring in the, the Super Bowl? Is that just what this is at this point? I don't know. It's just what's scary here is that it's the second week in a row in which the Rams have not played a complete game. Right. Right. They they haven't I, I they haven't played a complete game for a majority of these playoffs. I mean, they've they've had some really really tight games. They had a real tight one against uh, uh Tampa Bay. They, I mean, they've had a real tight one against the Niners. I mean, I like the Rams a lot. I I think they're a good squad. I and I do think that they're going to you know what what's interesting and who's been weirdly quiet? He's made a couple of, of really big flash plays. Aaron Donald has been weirdly quiet throughout these playoffs. We've had a couple of, of, you know, we've had a sack here and there. But Aaron Donald hasn't been been the Aaron Donald that we're used to seeing. This has been more about the Von Miller show, hasn't it? It has, but Aaron Donald's still been a big part of that. Yeah, but I mean, maybe. I, I just, because a lot of Donald's stats tend to be hidden, which right, is right. known. But Von Miller has been a, a huge impact in the playoffs specifically. Yeah, late in the season, Von Miller has come alive, and, and he's looked really, really good. And it seems like the Rams have figured out how to utilize him in, in a way that, that uh, I, I just, I'm I'm super impressed with. I, I just think Von Miller, as, as a pass rusher, you know, for a while, Von, Von Miller, yeah, he was a pass rusher, but he was also able to, to dance back and, and uh, play coverage. Well, recently, they've been using him as more of a pass rusher, and, and it seems like that seems to work better for him in this situation. He's been really fun to watch. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Now as for the 49ers, the 49ers have, have their, you know, uh, their off-season work cut out for them. You got to figure out what you're going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you keep Jimmy Garoppolo after this year going to the conference championship game? I mean, well, it's been made um abundantly clear that he will not be a Niner next season. Yeah, and that's what I that's what the the rumor is and I I mean, do, does he I is he on the last year of his deal? I thought he had one one more year on that deal, didn't he? No, he's got he's got he's got another year, but it's there's been, there was a mutual conversation where there was a conversation from the owner. He, the owner has informed Jimmy that he will not be a Niner next season. 
and that's and they, a concern. They will seek a trade. Because what they've got to do is they're going to have to trade him, and uh, you, you're not going to wind up releasing him, I don't think. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look right now as far as his um, as far as what it what it runs to just drop him, because if, if you just drop him, you know sometimes that's gonna gonna cause a lot more of a ruckus than than anyone. So if you cut him before June 1st, and and really wow, it's it's very little dead money. It's it's 1.4 for for dead money and you save 25 million on the cap yeah i i don't even think they're gonna i mean they trading him might be the the smart move if you cut them post june 1st it's the same thing if you trade them before june 1st same thing so whether they cut or trade him doesn't matter they're gonna try and find a trade suitor for him and uh they're gonna save themselves 25 million on the cap so it, it's gonna be the best bet to get rid of him at that point but do you really think that trey lance is the guy. I still think he can be. You see, and here's he's, my, he needs a lot of work. <clears throat> here's my thing. I think people saw a guy like Trey Lance and they see a lot of the things that that he is capable of doing with his legs. And I just I don't buy it. I, I don't I don't buy it. I, I think people saw that the the big thing about Lamar for example and you know this is Lamar is actually a legitimate dual-threat quarterback. Same goes with Josh Allen. They have good arms. They've improved their accuracy. But Lamar's arm wasn't good at first. Yeah, but Trey Lance's accuracy is, I mean... He has a, there's not enough of a sample size. Yeah, it's way worse than Lamar's. Was he throwing you know, five passes all year? It's way worse than Lamar's. You Even, even during the... the uh, the games of the preseason games, even during the preseason games, it was bad. And we're talking like three for 12 and things like that. I mean, these, these were bad numbers. I don't really buy Trey Lance right now. And, and for his sake, I'm hoping he proves me wrong. I'm not buying Trey Lance. I know you were big on Trey Lance when he was coming out of the draft and I got kind of excited about him at first, but man, I don't know. Like he reminds me less like a Lamar and more like a Tim Tebow. And that's a problem. And I just, I, I could just see a two for eight for, for 65 yards and winning a game, you know? <laughs> That's what he played I, that full, his last game he played, he had a 70% completion rate though. What was the, the which game was that? Against Houston, 16 for 23, 249, two touchdowns and a pick. Against Houston. That was when Houston was hot. Against Houston. <laughs> a hot, a hot Houston at the end of the season. I, I just, I don't buy him. I can't. I can't. I, I don't buy him yet. If, I want him to prove me wrong. I just, I don't buy him. I think I think people are way too excited about Trey Lance. And I hope, like I said, I hope he proves me wrong. I got excited about him at draft time. And I was like, eh. eh. I'm not, I'm not. I think, I think, I think um, early season and uh, not seeing him all season has is, is just had people forgot about how talented this guy is. And and that might very well be the case. I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sold and and that's going to be you know an interesting situation to say the least. We'll see what the 49ers do moving forward, and it could create a lot of RPO situations for them, like like we saw with with Jim Harbaugh, who we'll be talking about later. But you know Shanahan is a good coach, and and we're going to see what he can do with Trey Lance. But the Niners have some decisions to make after uh, losing this NFC title game. But folks, those are your scores for the uh, conference championship round. Now, Tyler, we're going into the Super Bowl here. 
the big matchup is Bengals versus Rams, and we'll be we'll be talking about that. Um, we're not going to make our predictions on that game until next week because of the fact that we've got uh, you know we're going to have the one and only Alex Steele joining us next week on Saturday night, so that'll be fun. But we've got uh, an edition of of Tyler's top ten. We haven't done it for a few weeks. Tyler, let's go ahead and hit him with a little bit of Tyler. Top 10. Tyler's top 10. And uh, I I know we've been, um, this is something we do every year as far as, and we, we usually do one week for one team, one week for the next. Uh, we've got our top 10 impact players for this upcoming Super Bowl. And this week we're doing the Bengals, right? Yes. Yeah. Start with the Bengals. Yeah, we're starting with the Bengals, and I also have five of my own that I believe you forgot about. So I'm I'm going to let you jump into uh, Tyler's top ten, and uh, we'll get this thing rolling. So, Tyler, hit me. Number ten, Tyler Boyd. Number three receiver on this team. But if if, if the ball gets, gets cruising and gets spread out good, Tyler Boyd is still a very big-time impact player. Yeah, Tyler Boyd is is kind of one of those anomalies. It, there are games where where he'll show up and he'll have really big numbers. For a number three receiver, I would probably say he's one of the more productive receivers in this league, right? Yes. Yeah, I that's what I'm thinking. I, I think that as a number three guy, he's a number three that's basically like a low end two on this team. If I'm if I feel that's how I feel about it. I I see a guy. That, I would agree. Yeah, he puts up a hundred yard game still and. He, he he gets high 80s and is and I I mean Joe Burrow likes to target him a lot. He's a really clutch number three. Uh, he's fast. He's got good hands. And I didn't realize how big he was. He actually has some size to him. You know, I mean he's not like T Higgins big, but he's still a decently big receiver and can make some really great catches in traffic. I think he's going to be quietly. He's going to be like and I'm I'm you have him about perfect on your list. I think he's going to be that outlier guy that still puts up a really good stat line in this game that not many people are going to talk about, but he's going to really have himself a game. I think in, in this situation with the Rams, especially with uh, Jalen Ramsey covering uh, Jamar chase more than likely. So disclaimer, if I moved to nine on um, part of this was that player's talent. Part of it too, was this player needing to play well in order to, that, that I took a few things into consideration. So it's, not like not it's not an order of best player. Right. So with that being said, I know there's gonna be a little bit of disagreement here, but number nine, T. Higgins. I T. Higgins know, is a very important part of this offense. He's a high, high end two, if not low end one, and a and a critical part of the success that this Bengals team has had this year. Yeah, he's he's such a big body dude. I loved T. Higgins when he came out of the draft. Uh, I, I really thought he was going to be a first-round guy going in the 20s. He winds up going with the first pick in the second round. And and the Bengals, in my opinion, got a steal out of, out of T. Higgins. He came alive late. Uh, he's had a really good year, but he really came alive late in the season with some really big catches in traffic. And, and um, I, I love everything he does as far as being able to make those catches, especially in the end zone. He's a great red zone threat. Teams don't really know how to handle T Higgins when he gets the ball thrown his way. I've seen him make some of the most clutch catches in double coverage and teams. He just bodies people and, and nobody, none of these corners know how to handle him. He's such a big guy. 
I like T. Higgins a lot. I think you're 100% correct. T. Higgins needs to have a big day, and I think he will because the Rams, everybody talks about Jalen Ramsey, but if you look on the other side, that Rams secondary is is a little questionable as far as their coverage abilities on the other side of the field. And I, I really think T. Higgins is going to be like, you know, kind of target number one in this situation. If if I know uh, as Zach Taylor and I, I know what Joe Burrow is going to do, they're going to be looking at T. Higgins more than they're going to be looking at Jamar Chase in this game. Expect T. Higgins to get a lot of catches in this game as long as he's not lined up against Jalen Ramsey. So a reason why Higgins wasn't higher is because there's another half of this game that while they haven't been the best of the best this season compared to the offense, if the defense can't do at least a decent job, the Bengals will lose this game by two or more possessions. Wow. The defense is going to be the – if the defense doesn't show up, Rams are going are to shatter them. You think so? Ram, Rams' offense is, is, too, is too good. Yeah. You, yeah. you need, the, you need, you need the, the, the Bengals' defense that's, that's, that's been around for most of these playoffs to show up. And that's yeah. why the next four here – or, or it's critical that they have good games. And that's starting with number eight, Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, he's he's been the heart and soul of their, their uh, defense, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the, the pass rush from him has been tremendous. He's been putting uh, pressure on every quarterback that they've run into. Really, the defense, I, I mean, Joe Burrow, kudos to him in, in, against the Titans for taking nine sacks and still walking out with a W. But let's be real, that defense kept them in that game by by smashing Ryan Tannehill. It was a very defensive battle between the two of them. And then really, Trey Hendrickson, he put a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes in the conference championship game that I don't think a lot of people expected because the Chiefs' offensive line has been so good. Hendrickson has played extraordinarily well in the back half of the season and, and really right through these playoffs. And I, he's going to be a huge, huge factor um, for, for this Bengals team to, to walk away with Lombardi here. I agree with you. Trey Hendrickson, and yeah, I, I would argue that he's been the best signing that they've had in, in a while. I, I really just, I like him a lot. He's a great defensive end. Number seven, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this naming here, but uh, Chidobe Awuzie. Chidobe Awuzie. That's the Chidobe Awuzie. Um, yeah, he's he's a uh, good. Even though I've butchered, butchered his name, I've been, I've been watching him most of the year, and he's been a very quietly good talent for this Bengals defense. Yeah, he's been a good corner. He came from Dallas. Uh, Dallas had him for a while. He was the number two over there, and then he winds up uh, being the number two corner over there with the Bengals. He's had a very good year. A lot of people kind of discounted these corner the the cornerback crew from uh the Bengals and and believe and it rightfully not, so going into the year because a guy that's another guy that's not in my list but uh um Awuzier and and uh Eli Apple have both had career seasons. Yeah, both of them had very good years. Uh Eli, you know, he he's actually put up some some really solid numbers too and really it's funny that that you mentioned those two uh, there's an, another corner there, and we'll be talking about him shortly. There's another corner on that team that I'm going to be bringing up that I really think is is he's the number one over there. That he's been phenomenal, and uh, and we'll wind up talking about him a little bit. But I I think the the Bengals they they're they're secondary. I don't know what in the hell is going on. I think a lot of people really discounted that secondary, and that secondary has said, oh okay, well 
here's what we're going to do. And really just kind of laid into people. Um, I watched how well they played. I, I was down in Cincinnati week one, you know that, and, and I was watching my Vikings. And those two guys, I, I was so impressed. I'm, I'm going, what in the hell? How do the Vikings, how are they not able to beat these guys? Because Eli Apple, if you remember, he was not good with the Giants, and he was not good with, with the Saints. And he now he's he's with the, the Bengals, and it's like, oh, wow, okay. And then you look at Chidobe Awuzie, and and he's having himself a great year. And he was okay with Dallas. He wasn't really anything major to write home about. He's having one of his best years. So, yeah, I'm with you on Awuzie. I think he's he's uh, really been a, a key cog to that that uh, Bengals defense this year. And speaking of secondary, everyone talks about Jesse Bates. And I like Jesse Bates. Don't yep. get me wrong. But at number six, Von Bell's been the better safety all season long. Yeah, Von Bell's always been the better safety of the two. Uh, Jesse Bates is a good receiver, or a good safety, rather. And and a lot of people are going to talk about Jesse Bates because, you know, he's, he's a younger guy. And everybody gets excited about him. But Von Bell has always been a very good safety Um He's always been a very good safety for for the uh, the Bengals here. A lot of people discount Von Bell and what he's capable of, and uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's had a, uh, an amazing year. Uh, he is one of the best safeties in the league, as far as I'm concerned. I, I really think that he's one of the best ones out there. He's had himself an outstanding year. Great net secondary. He calls a lot of shots. He, I mean, he has had some some key interceptions in this in this playoff, really. And he's had uh, he's able to stop the run. He's able to cover the pass. He's able to do it all. I really like him a lot. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. Von Bell, he he's amazing. I I think the the Bengals need to retain him for the long term. Number five, Joe Mixon. The Bengals need to get that run game going and early to, yeah, to, I, to throw that defense of the, of the Rams off. I agree. Um, Joe, Joe Mixon has been strangely quiet throughout the playoffs. I don't know if you've noticed. It's mm-hmm. been an interesting situation, to say the least. Um, he has not been that number three rusher in the league throughout the playoffs this year that we saw all year long. It, it's been kind of uh, hot and cold for Mixon on, on occasion. There have been occasions where he'll, he'll blow up for 150 yards, and then there's occasions where, you know, he'll pull up, you know, 40. So, I, I mean, Mixon is one of those high-ceiling, low-floor kind of guys where he's just boom or bust. He's got to have a big game this game. He really does. You you can't not get Joe Mixon moving. And I would love to see Joe Mixon just, just tear it up. We're going to see if he does. I think Joe Mixon is in line for a big day, though. I don't think the Rams' run defense is as good as everybody thinks. I really think Joe Mixon is going to have himself a wonderful day in the Super Bowl. And, you know, I I don't think he has to have a big game. He has to have a good enough game to where the Rams have to play for both. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you have to keep him honest. And that's, if they if they if they run if they run run him the ball twenty times and he gets eighty yards four point average that's going to be enough to keep to keep him honest. I agree. Yep, and that's that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to keep him honest. They're going to have to to get those linebackers coming up to make those plays on the running back, and they're going to and that will, in my opinion, will probably neutralize a guy like Von Bell. 
or and or I'm sorry, not Von Bell, um, Von Miller rather. That that'll be what's going to happen. Miller is going to wind up being neutralized in that situation because he's going to have to come up and watch Joe Mixon. And and I know we we talk about guys like Fowler as well, and he's kind of an overlooked guy. Fowler's going to have to come up and and make plays as well in that situation. They're going to have to use these guys and really kind of stack the box. And if Mixon gets going, they're really going to have to put eight in the box, and it's going to get really scary from there. A lot of man coverage that they don't want. Exactly, especially with the that it's it's kind of a nightmare matchup when it comes to. The uh, O, the Bengals O line versus the uh, Rams D line. Right. But number four is you're not changing my mind. This is the heart and soul of this defense, and that's DJ Reader. Wow, very high. To me, yeah. this he's been the big, big part of this defense all season long, and in the playoffs, he's 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 made himself known too. Yeah, Reader's had a. Um... He's had a good year, especially in the playoffs, though. He, he's come alive. Uh, used to play for the Texans, now with the Bengals. Um, I, I think that the Texans lost a, a good one there, to be honest with you. I, I do, too. I, 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 a lot of people think that, that DJ Reader, is, he's kind of one of those overlooked guys. I mean, he was a, a fifth-round guy drafted by the Texans. It was back in 2016. you know. And if you look at before this year, DJ Reader – the, he had some pretty decent years over there with the Texans, so it doesn't surprise me that he's playing as well as he did. But this is one of his best years statistically. The only one, the only year that he was better was in 2019, and and 2021. I mean, it's been a phenomenal year for the for the Bengals. You know, a lot of times we talk about how the Bengals, you know, defense has been kind of meh. You know, they they've been kind of middle of the road, not up front. And a lot of that has to do with DJ Reader and, and his ability as a defensive tackle and a and a big run stuffing kind of guy. He's Reader and Hendrickson have been have been huge. Yeah, Reader he's he's been the big run stuffer though. I mean, like, and if you look, he's at, a big boy. He is. He's huge. Three hundred forty-seven pounds. I mean, if you look at like, and it's funny. We always talk about PFF grades. Take a look at this: run defense, seventy-eight point four; pass rush, sixty-nine point four. And that's what you want out of your your big defensive tackles. That's what you expect is a guy that's going to be a big space eater up the middle, and and that's what the kind of guys I like. I, I like those big. It's it's rude to say, but like, get those big old fat guys up front and just let them do what they're going to do. And that's what DJ Reader is. He's a big old fat guy right up the middle. He's a big space eater, and he's going to eat you. And that's what he's doing. So, DJ, yeah, I agree. And he, if I'm not mistaken, he had a, an interception, didn't he, in, in one of these playoff games? Uh, I think so. I, th- I thought he had a, a tip ball interception in one of these games. So, yeah, he's he's had himself a great year. Um, just, just been phenomenal for the Bengals. And, and I, I, I don't know if he's the heart and soul. I, I, I lean more toward Henriksen, but I, I look at a guy like DJ reader and I agree. He's a key cog to that, that Bengals defense. He is a key part that, that really keeps teams, um, from getting that run game going against this Bengals defense. Number three, Jamar chase. For yeah. obvious reasons, he's been here all year. He's been a very big reason and one of the new additions of the difference between the night and day difference between the 2021 and 2020 Bengals. Big matchup here. It's likely going to be Chase lined up against um, against Jalen Ramsey. And a lot of us are are really excited to see that matchup. 
Ramsey has been good all year. Chase has been good all year. It's going to be fun. It's just going to be outright fun. And I want to see if Jamar Chase is going to be able to burn Jalen Ramsey going, you know, in this game. It's going to be an entertaining matchup. For all we know, though, Jalen Ramsey could shut down Jamar Chase. And, and that's okay. Because if Jamar Chase is drawing off attention from, from you know, from like T Higgins and from Tyler Boyd. It's an, it's an unsung, un, unsung job sometimes. Yeah. If he's drawing the attention and what if he beats, what if he's got him beat and he's got to draw say Taylor Rapp out of that safety position to come up and cover. I mean, it, that could be an issue for the Rams. I agree with you. Jamar Chase is going to be a huge factor and, and whether he's getting the big passes and getting the big touchdowns, or whether Jamar Chase is just drawing off coverage, that's going to be a huge thing for this Bengals uh, offense and their success, and it's going to be a huge thing for Joe Burrow to be successful in this game. Number two is going to be a bit of a surprise, mm-hmm. but given this the situation, given the matchup, and I've already alluded to it, but at the end of the day, no matter how bad it is, Where's the where's the game one when it, at the end of, at, at the end of the day, Scott? In the trenches. In the trenches. Jonah Williams versus everyone is what's gonna have to be. Yeah. Jonah yeah. Williams is, it, and people look at this because of how bad the line's been. He's been the only silver lining here. Yeah. Yeah. It, and he's it, gonna have to have a big day. He's got to have to hype up those those big boys and get shit moving because they need to protect Joe. They have to. Yeah, it, he's going to be a, a key guy here. Jonah Williams has had himself a really great year. Um, he's been better in run blocking than he's been in the uh, the pass blocking, but he still had himself a really nice year. Um, you got to remember, this is a, a first round guy. He was he was picked eleventh overall, and and he's been a stud for them this season. He's been absolutely awesome. Uh, and, and he's, and he's cool. actually been better this year than he was last year. And, and last yeah. year was. I wouldn't want to say it was a bad year, but oh no, last year was a very good more. year. For him, but this year he's been even better, and and he, I really like Jonah Williams a lot. He protects the blind side of of Joe Burrow. The guy on the other side is Riley Reef, and and Jonah Williams is making Riley Reef look like a chump after the great year that Riley Reef had in twenty twenty. So I, I I don't know Jonah Williams. I agree. I think I think this is going to be a key thing for him. I mean, we see Joe Burrow get up, dust himself off after getting sacked and things like that, and he gets put on the ground. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Jonah Williams protecting Joe Burrow's blind side and making sure that that Joe Burrow is upright to complete those passes. Yeah, I'm with you here. I like Jonah Williams a lot, and I think you're absolutely 110% right here. And number one, to the surprise of no one, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to come down to Joe Cool here, Joe Burr, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's he's just been great. It, you, I, I like Joe Burrow a lot. I, I think it, it's been a, a strange surprise to see how he's developed. I, I just I didn't find him to be very solid last year, and this year he's been really really good. He's just been really great. He's been able to to stand strong in the pocket in spite of the the bad offensive line play. He's been able to extend plays. He's been able to to make plays downfield. And it and it's really let let's be real. It's really nice to have those those three weapons 
Um, four, if you count the guy I'm going to talk about in a little bit here, it's really great to have all those weapons at his disposal along with Joe Mixon on top of it. So, I mean, yeah, there are deficiencies on the offensive line, and I'm sure Cincinnati's going to wind up addressing that going into the draft, uh, probably, you know, drafting interior guys. But looking at at how Joe Burrow has responded, or has responded, rather, to all this pressure in his face and how he has responded being that underdog guy, it's been a really a, a storybook type of year for him i i really hope joe burrow comes out firing i think it's going to be a really fun game to watch and i really do think joe burrow is going to be uh one of those he's the future of this league him and and mahomes and and herbert and all those guys and and josh allen these guys are the future of this football league and i'm totally here for it it's going to be a great time watching uh joe burrow for the future and uh, do you think Joe Burrow, if if let's say the, the Bengals lose this game, do you think Joe Burrow winds up in this place again? Do you think he winds up getting here? I think he can. I think it might take him some time because I, I do think there's still some work the Bengals need to do. Yeah. I, I but, thought getting here was a little premature. To yes. Yeah. But the, I think he'll be back. But as, as you like, you, you use the nickname, though, and um, Joe Cool's become a name that's kind of been – it doesn't – it's not designated to, to just one person. It, it, over the years – Joe's in history have taken on the mantle of Joe Cool. Yeah, either it was Joe Montana or Joe, was Joe Montana. Joe Montana started it, and then um really um we haven't had it in a few years, but so kind of uh, Burroughs taking that mantle off of Flacco. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of that Joe Cool with Flacco was like it's it's that being so calm and Burroughs very calm. I think Flacco's a lot a lot of just kind of just oblivious to media, so he's just kind of always calm. <laughs> yeah, Burroughs. But, um, Burrow's that is that new Joe Cool, and I'm here for it. Yeah, Burrow has has shown a, a leadership quality that that I I think was has been nothing short of impressive this year. Hundred percent. His his leadership is is awesome, and I think it really carries his team. A lot of these guys, uh, they rally around him, and it's great. It's great to see. So yeah, the Bengals. Those are uh, those are your picks for Tyler's top ten. Now Tyler, I have five guys that I think you forgot about going into this thing. And I'm going to go ahead and rattle those off in a segment that we like to call Freytown's Forgotten Five. Freytown's Forgotten Five. And I've got five guys that I think you forgot about. And uh, I'm going to talk about them. And, and one of them that you we already talked about a little bit. Number five, we talked about him earlier, Eli Apple. He had himself a great year. Um, and, and he was so bad for the giants and he really wasn't very good with the saints, but this year he's actually come alive a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say it's been, and it has been a career year for him. I'm not going to say he's, he's some type of world beating shutdown corner at this point, but Eli Apple well, has had a career uh, year for him, which, for which him. in history is yeah. not very high, but he's right. played well this year, he's played very well this year. Yeah. I, I, I think that, um, yeah, he's had himself a really awesome year. Number like, four. When, when it comes to the secondary for uh, the Bengals, the, the corners in particular, I think of a quote from Iron Man. It says, the Bengals built their corners in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, number four, however, I want to talk about Sam Hubbard. He's, you know, Trey Hendrickson's been getting all the love. Sam Hubbard, he's been playing really well as an edge rusher for the Bengals all season long. This guy, I mean, and it, it hasn't been, you know, like I said, a world-beating performance for him either, you know, but he's been playing really well. 
Um, kind of a quiet guy as far as, as the Bengals' defense goes. And he's going to be overshadowed by the DJ readers and the Trey Hendricksons of the world. But as an edge rusher, he's been very good this year, uh, more so as a pass rusher than a, than a run defense guy. But he's actually having himself a good year. So I do like Sam Hubbard a lot. Uh, number three, however, this, this is where it starts getting a little more exciting. Number three goes to Evan McPherson, the kicker. Uh, we every now and then we we talk about kickers. I mean, I know in in Tyler's top ten a few years ago, you had a punter in there uh, in in Hecker. Uh, Hecker, if I'm not mistaken. But Evan McPherson, this guy, I love his swagger. I love the fact that he's been sinking kicks. I like the fact that he's got such a powerful leg. I think that that Evan McPherson is going to go down as one of the better kickers, one of the best kickers in this league in the next coming years here, and I'm totally here for it. So here's the thing with 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 with, with McPherson. I've got I've gotten shit for this one, but um, th- let me let me uh explain it for a minute. So I've I've gotten it thrown in my face, not from you, but um, I got I got it thrown in my face that I'm being um uncharacteristically hard on Evan McPherson because of being the Tucker fan. And but let me make something perfectly clear. I love Nick Pearson. I think his swagger reminds me of Tucker. Mm. I, but I, I, think, I go ahead. I, I think that that you, I, I agree with some folks that that you're uncharacteristically hard on McPherson because a division rival, b your division, your 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 Justin Tucker guy, you know. I, I'm hard on him because of it's not his, it's not his fault. It's 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 the uh, jumping on a on a bandwagon too soon thing for me. Like, don't right. get me wrong. From a playoff perspective, he's having one of the best kicking playoff runs of all time. Yeah. But first half of the season, it, it wasn't that way. He's gotten better through the season. He's gotten a lot better yeah. through the season. Any, but any up when I up. when I see headlines that say that Evan McPherson um, should be one of the front runners going into the Super Bowl as possibly winning Super Bowl MVP. You you've gone too far. Yeah, you've gone too far. Yeah, that's I, way too far. Unless unless Evan McPherson is a guy sinking five field goals, you know, like then, then maybe we can yeah. talk. Eighty four percent is very good for a rookie kicker, but eighty four percent makes you middle of the pack when it comes to the rest of the league. Right, right. So McPherson next season needs to come out like like a superstar if you want if if if, if people want to continue to have this conversation about him being one of the best kickers in the, in football. I think yeah. he does. I think because the second half of the season showcases that he can very, very well be a 88, 89, 90-plus percent kicker. And and I think that's where he's trending. I think that's where I, he's and I, do, and I do, too. Yep. I I love McPherson. If I had five if I had five kickers, my favorite kickers right now, McPherson is one of them. Yep. I, I'm, and so it's not me hating on McPherson. It's, it's me hating on overhyping it before, before, we get, before the cart gets there. Right. I feel you. And uh, number two. And and I'm surprised that you didn't mention this guy because Eli Apple and Shadobia Ouzier, but I want to talk about Mike Hilton. Uh, Mike Hilton has quietly had himself an outstanding year. Uh, 72 PFF grade this year. He's been very good. I like Mike Hilton a lot. Um, he He's probably the number one corner over here with Cincinnati, right? Uh, I, I think he's deemed that. I, I, I think they've all been pretty good. I, I I'm just – a little, a little more privy to a Wuzier. Right. Um, but Mike Hilton in, in coverage this year, he is a 73.6 coverage grade. Overall, he's a 72.4. He's had two picks on the year. He's had himself a really nice season. And, and I, a lot of people aren't, 
um, looking toward Mike Hilton. You know, we, we, we saw kind of the dumpster fire situation that, that he was at first, and, and now he's become uh, something really enjoyable. I, I really like, like Mike Hilton a lot. Um, a lot of people were crapping on him when he was drafted by the Jags. People didn't give him enough credit. Man, I like Mike Hilton. I, I think he's really, really good. And I think Cincinnati got themselves a steal, you know, in in uh, free agency this year by signing him. He's overtaken Trey Waynes as the number one over there. And and I I think that you're going to see the Bengals drop Trey Waynes this offseason because but, Mike Hilton. Especially with Hilton, Awuzie, and Apple, where they're playing. Yeah, the way they're playing, I just I think that's something to behold. So Mike Hilton, yeah, I, he's going to be number two. He's going to be detrimental in the coverage of Cooper Cup, and and it, he, you know, he's going to be probably lined up against Cup, and he's going to be the guy that that is going to have to uh, uh, really kind of try and shut him down. And <clears throat> they're they're going to rely on Ouzier, and and they're going to re, uh, rely on on Eli Apple to try and shut down Odell. But it, it's going to be tough. They're going to have tough sledding there. But Mike Hilton, he's going to be a key cog. He's got to shut down that number one receiver. But number one, uh, I in, and I'm willing to bet good money he wasn't on your list because we're we're not sure if he's going to play. But it all it's trending toward him playing. We thought he tore his MCL or ACL last week. It oh, he, out, he 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 wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been even if he was healthy. Right. Uh, it's it's a sprained MCL is is the final thing. But number one goes to CJ Uzama. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's listed as questionable going into the week. We, we don't know if he's going to play or not. We're, we're going to find out, but if this man plays, he is a major part. He makes the most clutch catches. And it seems like every time that the Bengals are down, every time it seems like the game's over, every time the Bengals need that one first down, that's going to get them somewhere. Here comes CJ Uzama making a catch and running down the field. He is an unsung hero on this team. This guy gets hardly any love, but I'll tell you what, when I was down in Cincinnati and I watched him make that clutch catch to get the Bengals into the the field goal range to put the Vikings away, it, it, the bell went off to me. And last year, even before he got hurt last year, CJ Uzama coming off an ACL tear this year, last year before the ACL tear, I mean, the guy was tearing it up. He was having himself a great year. So CJ Uzama winds up as, as the number one impact player on this team, uh, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as my forgotten players. Um, Uzama is just, he's great. He's a great pass catcher. He's a big bodied guy. He can get all kinds of rack yards. I like him a lot, and and Tyler, I don't if 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 he was healthy, I'm assuming he'd be on your list. He would not be. Really, I, I think he. I, and you're right. He he does make some clutch plays, but I feel like those they happen every every so often, but they don't happen often enough for me to have him on my ten. He's a decent he's a decent tight end. I I I think you view him higher than I do. I, I do view him a, a lot higher. I think he's been a really nice safety valve for for Joe Burrow. Do I think he's like one of the best tight ends in the league? No, but I think he's had himself a really good year. Um, I mean, four ninety three five touchdowns is is a good year for for a tight end, you know, in this league at this point in time. I mean, unless your name's Kill or unless your name's Kelsey, you know, we're not seeing those types. Of, we're not seeing like, you know, eight hundred nine hundred yards out of That's you. That's fair. You know, a 500-yard, five-touchdown year uh, with 49 receptions, that's a pretty good year, especially with all those mouths to feed on that offense. I think Uzama opens up a lot of things. 
and and he's he's been really good in my opinion. I I really think that he's he's going to be a, a key cog to to them getting this this uh, W here if they're going to win this Super Bowl. So you're going to see C.J. Uzama make some clutch catches in this this game. I think I think Joe Burrow's going to target him a lot more than people are going to be ready to admit. But that is my forgotten five. Now Tyler. We're going to take a quick break. Well, before we do a break, I want to go through my bold predictions and another bold prediction calculator I have before we go into the breaking news. Okay, let's let's hit it then. So I, I fished out my, my bold predictions for the season. You went through yours a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. So here's what uh, dumbass Tyler was thinking for – he went very bold um, <laughs> back, in, back in August. Yeah. Number one. Jets to finish second in the AFC East under Zach Wilson. That did not happen. Ouch. At all. Not in the slightest. <laughs> Number two, J.K. Dobbins to lead the AFC in rush yards. He obviously did not play. So that one kind of just got washed out completely. Ouch. This one, I'm going to, I didn't put a yes or no. I, I wanted you to be the final judge on this. Okay. Trevor Lawrence to finish. No higher than the third best rookie quarterback. Let's see. Rookie quarterbacks that played well this year. Mac Jones. Mac Jones, I get a yes on. So he's at, yep. at second. Yep. And Fields, then, I would say probably not. No. Uh, Wilson, prob- definitely not. No. Um, Lance didn't play, so not. No. But I'm going to leave leave this for your – this is your vote here. Uh-huh. Trevor Lawrence. Or Davis Mills? Oh, man. See, Mills didn't play well for the first 12 weeks. <laughs> he only got hot late. Um, oh, God, that's rough. My that's gut rough. tells me no. Yeah, it, it to me it's a no, but I, I think if Davis Mills had a more consistent uh, uh, run of games, I think we'd be having a different conversation. Uh, it, it's this, this is kind of like, because of the years that they had, it's kind of like, you know, choosing between a giant douche and a turd sandwich, you know, it's just yeah, one of those yeah. situations. Uh, yeah, should, not, not, not one I should be just be thrilled about here. But. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really bad. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would probably say no. Like I said, if Davis Mills wound up having a better run of games, like he had, he had three or four really good games at the end of the year. But, um, yeah, I would probably say Lawrence still. Next one. Steelers to lose all division games. And the big, I meant when we talked about it, we said, well, they're going to lose twice to, Bengals, to Browns and Ravens, and they'll probably beat the Bengals if, or at worst split with them. Right. Here's the funny part. They lost to Cincy both times. Yep. And swept the Ravens and the Browns. <laughs> so like i got the hard one damn it yeah 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 <laughs> oh god <laughs> so next, that one's, a, that next one's a one, which is also very close so i got the hard one again entire nfc west to make the playoffs i got the fucking niners and the freaking seahawks screw me <laughs> a team that i will say me and you both predicted to make the playoffs but i had yeah, the niners okay. in i got the hard one if you remember I had the three-way tie between yes. between Arizona, the Seahawks, and the Rams. Yep. 
So, so we both predicted high things for the Seahawks. Yeah. They screwed me over. So it's too it's close, but no cigar. <laughs> Sam Darnold to bring the Panthers to the second best team in the NFC South. Ouch. Oh, God. How, how much did you drink? <laughs> well, in my defense, it started out great. They're what, 5-0? and oh? Yeah, yeah. And, and then. Start out and really- then all shit broke loose. <laughs> I, even made a, I, I think I mentioned the show too. Like, man, my Sam Darnold prediction is looking great right now. And then I don't know if Ghost showed up. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Packers to just miss the playoffs on, under Jordan Love. We didn't see a, sam- a sample size, but we saw enough for me to write a comment that says, Love sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Chiefs to be the fourth best AFC team. That one was looking promising for a while. Yeah, and then they wound up being the the second best. Ended up being second best. Yep. So I got a few that were like like I was like like first half of the season I, I was looking like I was looking great. And then Yeah. No. It all fell apart. Yeah. Derwin James to have a career resurgence and lead the league in interceptions. He only yeah, had two. Well, he did that, a pretty good year. Yeah, I, I I think Derwin James he he did have a a a good year. Let me yeah he had a, a resurgence type of year. Um, the, More out of just the fact that he played. Yeah yeah I mean he was a a, a overall. I mean, I think he missed a game for COVID if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But but he only had two picks this year. So the if if you hadn't gone with the the leading the league in interceptions part of the parlay there, it would have uh, definitely been a hit. Yeah, I pulled a Scott on that one and did a double double legged uh, yeah. prediction yeah. there. <laughs> Went a little too far. And last but not least, can I get one? The receiving yard record be broken, missed by twenty yards. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it was so close. Oh damn it! So I, I hit, so in the bold predictions department, I I hit on three of mine. Yeah, but you hit to hit on a a goose egg. Goose egg. And a little too bold. But on the flip side, um, looking at the uh, playoff predictor, we mm-hmm. got both of our playoff predictions here. Yep. We both received for well for the for, for the playoff picks, we got a point for every every team we 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 picked to get in the playoffs. You got an extra quarter point if you if you predicted their seating properly. Uh-huh. And if if and then going forward, if 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 you predicted the proper teams that make the divisional round, you got two points per team. Mm-hmm. Conference round, three points per team. Right. Super Bowl two teams, you got four points per team. And if they won the Super Bowl, you get five, but none of us picked the Super Bowl winner. With all those points, um, I ultimately predicted the playoffs scenario slightly better. Right. Um, yeah, I... Fun fact: we we both missed on every single uh, wild card team for AFC. Wow. Wow. And and you only predicted one wild card team properly through the entire playoffs. Oofa. Because you picked the Ravens, the Browns, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Seahawks. Wow. And the Cardinals, but you got that one right. Oh, I did get the Cardinals. Good. (laughs) Oh, boy. 
But but, but, but yeah, because yeah, uh, my Super Bowl, because we actually both, I had the Ravens in the Super Bowl, but you but you had the Ravens in the conference championship, so we both kind of had had predicted there. But but as far as team making the furthest, you you had the only correct one to make the Super Bowl in the, in the Rams. Yeah, I, I went with the Rams on that one. So. And and we'll see if they they pull it off. I had the Titans winning the bowl. Yeah, if you if you flip flopped it though, you you could have taken that crown. Yeah, just I, I throw I, these predictions away <laughs> in the shredder. Just so bad. <laughs> see how see how bold I get next year. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, you know what? I think that Patrick Mahomes is gonna be in the top twenty five of passing yards. Oh, that's a. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, oh goddamn. Just taking a little Kirk Cousins check down there, aren't you? My lucky gets hurt. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. I've got um, news around the league. We've got the injury report uh, that as it's as it stands right now. Now, bear in mind, folks, we're a week away from the bowl. Those things can change. But we're gonna we'll jump in on the injury report. I've got uh, my top five players as well. For the NFL draft, well, my top five at the quarterback position. Every week, I'm going to go through the top five players um, by position that I uh, how I think they're going to be rated. So we're going to jump into that a little bit because we are getting uh, closer and closer to draft time now. We're going to be about two months away. We're we're a little over two months away. So I want to start breaking down some of this draft stuff. As you know, my big board is going to be going up, uh, you know, when we, as we get real close to, to draft time. Usually I throw it up the week of. So uh, we're just going to go ahead. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Co-host the fabulous Scotty Freytown and and uh, Tyler, we've got a lot going on around the league. We've got uh, Super Bowl coming up. We've got the head coaching carousel going strong, really. I mean, we had a lot of head coach signings, a lot of coordinator moves happening. We're going to jump right into that, and we, we, I mean, we had lawsuits flying, all kinds of crazy stuff. So um, let's jump into our news around the league. And I want to start with the elephant in the room. Let's go ahead and start with this Brian Flores stuff, because that's the, been the, the big news around the league. 
So we know the co head coaching carousel has been in full swing. Brian Flores has issued a lawsuit against the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the NFL itself. It alleges that the Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, offered him $100,000 per loss in 2019 to try and get the number one draft pick, which ultimately turned out to be Joe Burrow. Um, uh, Cincinnati wound up getting it. Um, he alleges that he was let go for that reason. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting. He claims that several teams league-wide are, are executing sham interviews, as he called them, with minority candidates to satisfy the Rooney rule. Uh, which says that the the teams have to interview minority candidates. And he says one alleged sham interview that he was a part of was in 2019 when Flores was uh, interviewing with the Broncos and allegedly the general manager at that time, John Elway, and the CEO, Joe Ellis, and other top Broncos office people showed up late and hung over. I, I do feel that teams... They, they set up these interviews with these minority candidates the, and, and these um, black candidates, and, and they, they do these things just to satisfy that Rooney rule. And I think one of the biggest examples that I can point out of them doing that recently is Patrick Graham. And we'll talk about that, about him pretty shortly here. I don't think Patrick Graham is, is anything spectacular. And I saw teams interviewing him, and I'm like, why are you interviewing Patrick Graham? Um, he, he was the Giants defensive coordinator that had the 23rd ranked defense. I mean, there are so many better candidates out there. I mean, D'Amico Ryans, Raheem Morris. I mean, any of those guys, I mean, Eric B enemy, there, there are better candidates out there than Patrick Graham. And, and I, it just kind of set, set it off to me. I, I really do think that teams do this to satisfy that Rooney rule. And I think it's been kind of counterproductive. Don't you? Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I, I I see where where they're wanting to go with it, but it it's causing a lot of uh, behind the scenes shady shit. Yeah, I I think that the intention was really great, and then what they did is it, now it's become a situation where they're it's almost like a slap in the face, you know, like like okay, well I'm just going to interview you just because I have to. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like a slap in the face to some of these these uh, minority candidates that really want to get hired for these head coaching positions. And and currently right now, I mean, there's only one black head coach in the NFL and it's Mike Tomlin. But like, I feel like they're just kind of slapping these guys in the face like, haha, well, I'm interviewing you and I'm never going to hire you, but I'm interviewing you. And I think that's a really dick move. You know, we've said on this show and, and I, I, I'm going to reiterate it. Racism has no place in the NFL or the world in general. And and that's where I what I think this is. And and like I said, the Rooney rule was like a really good thing. You know, like like I, I get it. The intentions were great. But now I think teams are just like, you know, kind of just like, meh, you almost like fuck the Rooney rule. And I, I think that's kind of bullshit. I, I think teams, if they're going to interview these guys, they should be giving them legitimate interviews. And instead of just screwing around and, and on the plus side, the, the Rooney rule has set up, you know, right now, I think they have the most uh, uh, black general managers in the history of the NFL right now. They, I think they have eight general managers of football teams right now, seven or eight that are, are black general managers, which is really a great, a great thing and a great step in the right direction um, to, to racial equality in the NFL. But uh, the, Teams need to stop abusing 
the Rooney rule situation and, and stop, you know, fucking around on it. Give these guys legitimate interviews, right? hundred percent. And, um, I, I, I can't find the graphic, but they showed, uh, since Brian Flores was brought on as, as the Dolphins head coach, mm-hmm. he has a better record than like half the league. Right. That's yes. Yet, yet got fired for it for significantly less than. That seems to be a case to where the the leash that coaches that black coaches get seem to be significantly shorter for no good reason. Yeah, we saw it a few years ago with Jim Caldwell. I mean, he's he's the the of uh, the primary example of of that. Uh, and now Brian Flores and 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 you can almost even use use the same same thing with Cully. Yeah, Dave I, Cully, I mean, even he, though it's been a bad year, I do not like. Coaches getting fired after one season. Well, but yeah, that doesn't happen very often, but it seems to happen more frequently. But it feels like they they hired Cully to fail, you know, which mm-hmm. makes it ten times worse. You know, they they hired him into a bad situation, knowing that they were gonna they were gonna put him in a bad situation. I mean, like if you would have told and and Dave Cully probably took the position because you know he figured well it's probably one of my only chances to be a head coach in the NFL. I might as well just nab it up. And and I feel like. They set him up to fail, and they didn't give him a, a real opportunity. I, I just, I don't like it. I don't like the way the teams are. Uh, certain teams are acting in this situation. I don't think. I don't think it's fair, and uh, I think it's really unacceptable. And I, I uh, think that Chris that, Carter was on Good Morning Football and was hot about it. Um, oh yeah, he was. When yeah. he when he when he left football, he said there were three blackhead coaches, and now there's one. Yeah. Um, um, and he used Jacksonville's head coaching as an opening. He goes, why aren't we interviewing the enemy? Why aren't we doing this? And he goes, nothing against Doug Peterson, but how do we know that the pro- that the proper protocols of picking the right candidate were taken? Right. We and don't know. We, we're, we're forced to just just take their word for it. Yeah. And now a day later, a day after that lawsuit comes out, the Saints have, have started interviewing Eric Bieniemy and and – you know, for their head coaching position. And, and I guess I, I can say good on them, but I, I'm, I'm really hoping that this isn't a satisfying the Rooney rule situation. That it, it, it has that look. Yeah. And I, I really hope it's, it's, I really hope it's not that. I really hope it's not. And I think the enemy should be hired in this league. He's a damn good and, offensive coordinator. And I know you and I have, have kind of a different, uh, um, opinion on on the abilities of Eric Bieniemy to run an NFL team and I, my understanding is according to what people say is that he's a, a bad interview is is what the the rumor around yeah. the league is but you know even still um and this is by no means me trying to um put it on on you guys but it could it's a whole league issue but yeah. but um go back to Patrick Graham I'm going to use the Vikings as an example here yeah um, there, I could list a shit ton of better minority candidates that the Vikings sh- could have and should have interviewed over Patrick Graham. Yeah, and they and they did. And this is a and they did, but that's still the point. Like, Patrick Graham shouldn't even been in the conversation. Right. This is a this it's a it's a league wide issue. Yeah, it really is. And and the the Vikings they they went out and they they uh, interviewed and we'll talk about them right now. Uh, Patrick Graham he did wind up getting hired by the Raiders as the defensive coordinator. He leaves uh, the Giants and really, which is the right leapfrog to make because like you had you were a defensive coordinator for the Giants that wasn't very good. So 
if you want to rebuild your brand, you go to a new team and start from scratch in the same position, or right. or maybe go down to a positions coach to um to do some repairing. Right, and but you don't you don't you don't get you don't get a promotion for being bad. Yeah, he wasn't very good in Miami either, and and I I don't. I, I, I think, you know, if you're if you're going to be looking at, at somebody, I mean, teams need to be looking at guys like D'Amico Ryans. People need to be looking at guys like Raheem Morris. I see those two, those two guys as exceptional candidates. I didn't really buy Raheem Morris as much as I did D'Amico Ryans. But, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, like, and I know you're not sold on Bieniemy. I like Eric Bieniemy a lot. I think he's he's going to make a great head coach. But teams need to be taking these candidates seriously. Brian Flores should be considered for head coaching jobs across the league for any team that needs a head coach because he is a good head coach. And and the fact that that Miami let him go seemingly for no reason. And and Jim Caldwell two back to back winning seasons. Right. Jim Caldwell's out there. Why aren't we talking about Jim Caldwell? Why aren't people more people interviewing Jim Caldwell? I, it just it's senseless to me. So I I mean for teams to to just be trying to satisfy the Rooney rule is is bullshit. You should be considering these candidates because eventually somebody's going to nab up those candidates and those candidates are going to wipe the floor with you and I'm so here for it. But for every for every few like true and legitimate stories there's always that one bad apple. Yep. And here we are talking about this motherfucker again. Oh, God. Um, so after the accusations came out in the lawsuit, Hugh, <clears throat> Hugh, Hugh Jackson came out and said that, God. yeah, the uh, Browns also offered me um, 100000 a, a game to lose for draft picks and whatnot. And then he has since said, no, that never happened. Yeah, he has since uh, taken back his, his comment. You know, let me make it so, clear. Yeah, way, way to completely um, – shit on everything Brian Flores is trying to do right now. Right. Now, first of all, let me let me just say, fuck Hugh Jackson for doing that. But second of all, if Hugh Jackson was actually getting paid money to lose games, that motherfucker would have been a billionaire. <laughs> okay? Hugh Jackson is a dumbass. And and he's a, not a good coach. And we've we've crapped on Hugh Jackson on this on this show numerous times. Um for him to come out and and make it was almost like making a mockery of of the Flores lawsuit and and trying to get his his name back out there or something like it was like almost like a PR stunt by him. This isn't a PR stunt, Hugh. You shouldn't be doing that shit, you know. But I I just it it blows my mind. I I don't I don't understand Hugh Jackson these days. I it just makes no sense to me. And and the fact that he went out and and essentially made a mockery of of this lawsuit. Really, it, it you shouldn't be doing that. It, it You should be supporting Brian Flores, and everybody in this league should be supporting Brian Flores and what he's doing. And I know that it's it's one of those tough discussions to have, but the reality is is that teams are are not taking that Rooney rule seriously, and they should be. And and we should see more minority coaches in the NFL, I believe. So I, I, I just I feel like it's nonsense. And, and these these guys, the you know, the Raheem Morris's and D'Amico Ryan's, you give it one more year. I mean, to me, the, those two guys should have been hired this year. D'Amico Ryan's has since pulled out of the head coaching search. He wants to stick around with the Niners and run their defense and good on them. <clears throat> but, man, like those guys are going to be head coaches and they're going to be damn good head coaches. Raheem Morris, like I wasn't sold on him a couple of weeks ago, and the more I see of of him and that Rams defense, the more I'm getting sold on him. So I, I mean, Raheem Morris, 
he's going to wind up being a good head coach. And and Byron Leftwich, you know, the fact that he wasn't hired by anybody and he has since decided to stick around with the Bucks. Byron Leftwich is another one that people should be talking about. So, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, an interesting thing to see how the NFL handles this lawsuit moving forward and what happens with this story. But, man, what a mess. What a mess this has turned out to be. And and if these sham interviews are are going on, shame on those general managers and those CEOs for not taking this thing seriously. Shame on them. Um, but moving forward, uh, we, we talked about Patrick Graham going on as the new D.C. over there with the, uh, the Raiders. Oh, God, the Raiders, they hired Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels as the new head coach. Tyler, he didn't walk out on a team for once. I, I'm, not I, yet. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. But I think I remember I, the Colts. He was hired, hired a whole staff and then walked out. Yeah. So, I, I mean, <laughs> right now he's set to to be the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, we'll see how that continues onward they also hired uh the patriots director of player personnel dave ziegler as the new gm uh to replace mike mayock over there i think that's kind of perfect for what what mcdaniels wants to do i think that that ziegler mcdaniels they both come from the same organization they're coming over to the raiders i think that's that's um that that's perfect i think that's a really smart move by the raiders don't you i do yeah i i like that i think that's that's brilliant um, so we, we had that go on, um, the former Patriots QB, and we got to talk about this one real quick, former Patriots QB, current Bucks quarterback, Tom Brady has officially retired from the NFL after 22 seasons that happened earlier this week. We talked about it on the last show that he was retired, but he was kind of not retired. And then he, you know, we weren't quite sure now he has officially retired. Um, you know, Tyler, what, I know we all we hate Tom Brady probably because he's the winningest quarterback in the history of the game. I, I hate him because of that, but I also hate him because of all the scandals and whatnot. Um, what do you think the legacy is of Tom Brady? I mean, outside of being the goat, because that's what what everybody kind of looks at him as. I mean, as much as I hate him, I mean, I, I said it last week. At this point, he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time, probably the greatest football player of all time, and one of the most prolific sports athletes of all time do you think anybody uh, uh winds up breaking his records do you think anybody winds up you know winning those seven bowls or anything like that no i you don't know, not in our lifetime not in any lifetime <laughs> I, <clears throat> yeah that's, Brady, gonna, that's, uh, that's gonna be tough to, tough to crack and part of that's because of certain seasons have have what they have on them but no one's gonna get seven no, I don't think so either. And and it, a lot of it, you know, is because football players have such a, a short shelf life. Brady played 22 seasons and he won the Super Bowl in seven of them. That's just outstanding in, in nearly a third. That's that's wild. So that that goes on. Brady, I, I and right now, you know, the the um, NFL Network is doing the like it was almost like the uh, Tom Brady retiring retirement tribute. They they had all his. I was watching the last year's Super Bowl last night on the TV. I was watching that um, while I was sitting around in my living room. So that was kind of exciting. Um, it, it's it's been a really good a good career for Tom Brady. A great career, and and uh, I, I I'm privileged to have been able to uh, you know uh, watch Tom Brady play. So that's that's an exciting one. Um, next up, as far as, uh, 
as far as uh, the the OCs and quarterbacks and stuff like that, the we'll start with speaking Titans. of New England though. Just I, I need to get those off my chest because the dude's trying to complete the cycle here for the NFC AFC East, and I'm mm. starting to think Bill Belichick's losing his mind. Why are we considering Adam Gase for OC? Why? <laughs> Why? I know. Wild-eyed Adam Gase. Uh, do you think he shows up drugged up to the presser when he gets hired? <laughs> I, I just... Uh, I don't know why they think he's a good idea to, to um, come take over, but uh, I would not let Mac Jones anywhere near that man. No, and that's another thing. Like, like we, we, it's it's ironic that we're mentioning this as we're getting done talking about the Rooney Rule and and this Brian Flores lawsuit because I see jackasses like like Adam Gase getting hired for head coaching positions, showing up high as a kite to his fucking interviews or his, his pressers, eyes bulging out of his head, looking like a fucking muppet. <laughs> no, he did. He looked like a fucking muppet. And and I'm over here like, like you know what he looked like. He looked like one of the the old guys from the peanut gallery. From the Muppet. A little bit. Yeah, I mean like it was it was terrible. I I just and that fucking idiot's getting hired over over guys like Brian Flores and Raheem Morris and D'Amico Ryans and and Eric Bieniemy. Come on. Come on. Give me a fucking break. But yeah, I don't understand that. The Patriots at uh, blowing my mind. Um, also with, with quarterbacks though, Titans quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, the Titans have come out and said he is our quarterback and they are not moving on from him. A lot of people expected them to, uh, you know, try and trade him and get rid of him. Nope. Nope. They have said Ryan Tannehill is our guy. How long do you think Ryan Tannehill sticks around? I don't know. And I'm sure you have this on your news somewhere, but we're going to bring it up now. Mm -hmm. Uh, even, even though Nathaniel Hackett's the new head coach of the Broncos, someone named Aaron Rodgers is building a house in Nashville. Yep. I'm seeing it. So we could see Aaron Rodgers going down to, uh, now, to my dad's point. He could be building a house there to, for where he wants to live after he's done playing football in a couple seasons. That is right. totally realistic. Yeah. But, it, yeah. but it's still enough of a news to say, Hmm. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it makes you it makes you scratch your head a little bit. And but there are other places. You know, we talked about it last week. The Packers have been very adamant, first of all, that they want to keep uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers around. They have been very adamant about the fact that that oh, this is going to be you know our guy, and I want to make sure that he winds up retiring a Packer and so on and so forth. Um, CEO Mark Murphy has expressed his intention to try and bring Aaron Rodgers back in 2022. Do you think he stays a Packer this year for the upcoming season? I mean, they, they I, there have been rumors that they uh, all kissed and made up over there in Green Bay. I don't know. It, it's very up in the air right now, isn't it? To me, it's not. No? To me, it's clear he will not be a Packer next season still. I believe the team wants that to happen, but I don't think Aaron does. Yeah, and, and there's a few things that, that happened that makes me think that, that Aaron Rodgers may not wind up being a Packer. First and foremost, we'll talk about the promotion. So they promoted their offensive line and run game coordinator ahead of Stenovich to the offensive coordinator position. So that tells me a whole lot less passing and a whole lot more running, and that tells me that they're preparing for life after Aaron Rodgers um, and getting away from that passing game, doesn't it? It kind of does. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, and and also, the Bears went out and hired the Packers quarterback coach Luke Getz as the new offensive coordinator as well. So, he he 
they go to a more run-heavy scheme here from the look of things, and then he loses his quarterback's coach as an offensive co- to an offensive coordinator job with the Bears. Um, one thing that they did do that I thought was really good over there in Green Bay is they're moving on from their special teams coordinator, Maurice Drayton. Um, we saw the implosion that happened in the divisional round against the Niners. Uh, we saw that you know all the troubles that they've had over the course of the last several years the Packers finally move on from their their special teams coach. This is a smart move, right? Yeah, I I, I think I think it is. I I think they're making the right moves to set the stage for where they're headed. Yeah, but I, I, there's just so much work there. It's hard, it's hard to pinpoint these little little wins. Yeah, there there's little moves that are being made, but I really do think that they're they're moving in a direction. Um, you know that we're, that that kind of says, hey, we're going to have to go a lot more run heavy, and we're going to have to make make way for no Aaron Rodgers and a lot more Jordan Love, and that's where I think they're going there. The Broncos also hired the former Packers assistant coach Jason Outen as their offensive coordinator, so it's like a coaching fire sale in Green Bay right now, and teams are just just swooping in and and nabbing up all their guys. Um, it, are the the Packers on the downturn? You think they're done? I mean, if if uh, the way Jordan loves plays been as any indication, yeah, yeah, that's that's what it seems like to me. So that's going on. The Broncos, speaking of them, also hired former Vikings offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak as their quarterbacks coach. So you're going to see a lot of checking down out there in in uh, in Denver. Am I right? Well, um, unless Aaron Rodgers goes there and just says, "Clint, you're an idiot." Yeah. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> I said it. I think Clint Kubiak's a fucking moron. I think he's a terrible coach. So, but he's he's moving back to a positional coach situation. So that's probably the best thing for him. He definitely was in way over his head as an offensive coordinator with the Vikings this past year. But you know, uh, there is a there is a play here that um Aaron Rodgers that the Packers might not be in like danger zone. Really? Because there is this, there is a few teams out there. That and I mentioned one of them being the Titans, to where a quarterback for quarterback trade very similar to the Foles Bradford trade from some years back could come into play to at least set Packers to have a bridge game managing quarterback while they're figuring shit out. And who would that quarterback be? A potentially a Tannehill or like a Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr. <clears throat> See, I don't think that those options out there. I mean, it's out there. I don't think those guys make them, you know, a playoff team, though. I don't know that. I mean, maybe Carr, but I don't. I don't know that Tannehill would would do number one seed in the AFC. What was that? They are the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, I, I don't. What Tannehill? I, I that's the thing. I don't. A lot of that is is on the back of a really great run game and a really okay. Good... So hear me out. They trade Rodgers for Tannehill. Mm. They find a way to retain. Devontae Adams, and I mean, they sign a free agent, Nick Chubb. I don't know that they're going to have the cap space to do that. I mean, you, you're talking about about 40, and plus they already have Aaron Jones over there signed to a long-term deal. At that point, you don't, you don't need Nick Chubb then. I, I think Packers have the offense that, that Tannehill could be successful enough in. Not, not saying win the Super Bowl, but successful enough whether – Figuring out who the quarterback's going to be because it's obviously not Jordan Love. It's not, it's not Jordan Love. I mean, I could I maybe see Tana it. Hill's – got to remember, the, the Titans were still winning games without Derrick Henry 
late in the season they got the number one seed. So Tannehill was still doing good enough to win them games. I mean, if you if you want to look at it that way, I, I really think it was more of a, a result of, um, oh, God, what's his name? Getting hot over there. The, the running back getting hot over there. Well, the backup? Yes. He got he, – he played well. I wouldn't say he got hot. Really? I, I think Tannehill's good enough to game manage a good offense. I think Foreman did pretty well, didn't he? I, I thought he, he had himself he in our game. Pretty well, but pretty well is not – we're talking about a quarterback that, that we all think sucks. It, it's, it's not going to be enough to carry that. Let's see here. Dante Foreman. I just, I, I think Tannehill's good enough to get the Packers by. I, I don't know if he is. I really don't. Foreman, in his very short amount of time, he had 133 carries for 566 yards. He averaged 4.3 per game. That's, that's not bad. It's decent. Yep. Five, 533 yards, and, and uh, I'd have to but, see. See, he only played. But that's those eight. aren't those are scary enough numbers to say that 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 carried an entire offense. And you uh, know I'm right. I don't know. I I think he could carry an offense. We're we're talking. I mean, let's see here. His actual starts. He started on November the 28th. In six games, he put up that those numbers. I I, I think five hundred how many. 566 yards. Now you can take away because he did get, let's see, 55. So he had a little, about well, close to 90 yards in the first three games combined. But then when he got the start, his numbers, New England against New England, 109, then 47, then 108. Yeah, it's only 70. That's only 79 yards a game. Which is good. Those are, those are good numbers, but I don't even think it puts him in the top 10. I don't know. An average that, game like that's still not enough numbers to carry an entire offense. I don't know that he he can't. You know, I, I you it's not good enough numbers for me to say. Yeah, he carried Tannehill. No, Tannehill still got the job done. Seven seventeen seventy nine yards per game uh, through a seventeen game stretch gives you thirteen hundred and forty three yards. But the running back doing thirteen hundred yards is not enough to say that they carry the entire offense. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think he did carry it. And there was, you know, the one game against San Francisco where A.J. Brown came alive and he had himself a really, really solid game. I, I just I don't buy Tannehill. Brian Tannehill still put up thirty seven hundred yards. I don't buy Tannehill. I can't. I, and I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's he's good enough to game manage a good team. I would I would buy Carr before I bought Tannehill. Well, yeah, but Tannehill's twice as good than Jimmy, in my opinion. I mean that that might yeah I I would say he's he's better than Jimmy I mean look at Derek Carr here with four thousand and Tannehill became the number one seed in the AFC with a worse run game because Niners had a good run game and a much worse defense. Eh, I don't buy it. I don't. Jimmy was carried by that defense and that oh, run game. He was carried by the run game and the defense. Yeah, but I I just I I'm not denying that. I just I, I don't buy Tannehill. I can't. I I'm, and I'm not saying he's great, but he's a, he's a good bridge quarterback. I wouldn't, and and if it, I wouldn't even do Tannehill and the Packers, they still win the division. Like like if I'm sending Aaron Rodgers over there, you're giving me a first if I'm taking on Tannehill. Exactly. That's 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 where I'm that's where I'm leading here. Yeah. It's not you're, it's not. I'm not saying it's one for one. Okay. God. 
you got to give me a first. No, it, it, it'd be Tannehill and extra for Aaron Rodgers. But Tannehill's much better than Jordan Love and good enough to keep you a playoff team and keep you relevant while you're figuring your shit out. It, it might work out. It could work out. We'll see how, how it happens. But we, we might very well see Rodgers in Tennessee. It might already be a done deal. We don't know. We don't know. Build house. Yeah, hey, <laughs> he is. He is. he's building the house down there. And uh, in that same division, the Colts went and hired, uh, or I'm sorry, the Bears went and hired Colts defensive backs coach Allen Williams as defensive coordinator. I think this is great. This is a great move. Uh, Eberflus comes over there. We know he was the D.C. over there in, in um, uh, Indianapolis. Now he comes over to the, the uh, Bears and he, he starts bringing on his former coaching staff. He also hired uh, the corners coach, James Rowe as the defensive backs coach. So, I mean, from and, uh, another Indianapolis guy. So he's basically left and he's taken his entire defensive coaching staff with him. Do you think the Colts defense, um, do you think they suffer without all these coordinators? Do you think they're, they're going to be in dire straits this upcoming year? Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I do. I, you know, the Colts, the, they didn't. They never really had all the major personnel over there to be viable, I guess, as a defense. You know, to to be competitive. But at the end of the day, if you have all of your defensive coordinators going away, that made that. I, I think that the, they were successful because of scheme. I think so. Losing you're 100 percent right. What was that? You're 100 percent. Yeah. So so losing all those guys, I think it's going to be painful for the Colts next year. On the defensive side of the football, they're they're losing Eberflus. I I it was it would be one thing to lose Eberflus, but now losing all of your defensive backs coaches on top of it is a major issue. Um, one thing the Colts did do is they did go out and hire former Jags head coach Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. Uh, do you think Gus Bradley is better than Eberflus, or do you think it's going to be a rough go? It's going to be a rough rough year. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Gus Bradley. I don't like Gus Bradley either. I think he's a mess. Um, and speaking of the Jags, let's jump into this one. They go out and hire Eagles head coach Doug Peterson as their new head coach, uh, the former Eagles head coach, rather. Uh, Peterson, we know he won a Super Bowl a few years ago with Nick Foles. He tells fans this is not an overnight fix. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has come out and said he is really relieved by the hire of Doug Peterson and as the new head coach and that everyone's excited. I think he is the perfect fit for this job. I think that he's able to to mold young quarterbacks, and I think this is going to be a great fit for the Jags, don't you? I do too. They they always need a coach that had the had the NFL experience, yeah, to to really um, hammer out a, a team that's not very good. Exactly. I think he's really going to help Trevor Lawrence in the long run. This is going to be a really really uh, smart hire on there and 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 the Jags are going to wind up uh really I, I think they're going to improve just you know game over game you're going to see Trevor Lawrence doing a lot a lot better than he did under the Urban Meyer situation that he was under last year because that was a complete shit show and we know it was uh next up we got the Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts he's set to undergo ankle surgery he should be ready to go by OTAs um, does that make you a little nervous about Jalen Hurts with him undergoing ankle surgery? I know it's it's you know a little off- bit, a little bit though with his mobility, right? A little bit. That's a bit, that's a bit concerning. 
Yeah, I, I hear something about uh, about my my dual threat running quarterback having ankle surgery, <laughs> and I'm getting a little nervous about it. Uh, we we've seen guys have ankle surgery like this in the off season. They go out and do it, and then and then they come back and they're not the same. And or and some guys even don't make it to the beginning of the season. You know, they they say, oh well, I'm going to be back by training camp, and then they don't. So uh, it's. I, I, that's concerning to me. If I'm an Eagle, if I'm the Eagles ownership and I'm the coaches, I'm, I'm concerned about that. So um, yeah, he'll be dealing with that. Also around that division, the giants are expected to hire the chiefs quarterback coach, Mike Kafka as their offensive coordinator. I think this is a smart play um, given where this, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, just cause you're hiring a chiefs guy doesn't mean he's going to be successful. Look, this guy coached Patrick Mahomes. I think this is a smart hire. Don't you? Yeah, and like like with Bienemy, like I I still believe that Bienemy is not going to pan out the way people think he is. But but you you have to go with that pedigree, that, that experience is there. Like they, they're you got to go with that chance. Yeah, yeah, I believe that you have to do it. You do have to take that chance, and I think that was the the smart play here, in my opinion. I think you know coming off of a guy that that uh, coached Patrick Mahomes the way that he's coached him, and obviously we see how successful Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, yeah, that I think this is a smart move. And the Bills kind of did a similar thing here, except they just promoted from within. They went out and promoted their quarterbacks coach, Ten- Ken Dorsey, to the offensive coordinator spot. Another one. I think this is a smart play. They, you know, he did really wonders with Josh Allen and, and made him the quarterback that he is today. I think this is just smart. He, I think he knows what the Bills are planning to do. And, and, you know, Josh Allen has, has developed extraordinarily well. So, they go and hire Ken Dorsey, and they also this one I'm not so sure about. They are expected to hire ex Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady as their quarterbacks coach. I'm not so sure how I feel about that one. I think Joe Brady does need to be more of a positional coach than anything. But both of these those moves, Tyler, what do you think about Ken Dorsey as the OC and Joe Brady taking over as quarterback coach? Uh, I I I like it. I think I I think it's a good change i I'm, I'm curious to see how it all plays out it's two decent names to bring in and, and it's going to bring a bit of a change yeah joe brady had a, a hard time as an offensive coordinator down there in in uh, carolina i mean obviously he did wonders for a guy like you know christian mccaffrey and they just kind of rode him into the ground um i i really think a lot of that offense was based a little too much on mccaffrey uh, they didn't really have a lot of load management for him down there and he was seeing the ball like 30 plus times a game every game and and obviously he started getting hurt and wearing down and i think christian mccaffrey's a great player but uh, you got to have some load management for the guy so it Absolutely. might it might be better as a, as just a quarterback's coach I think it, it could be a good thing for Joe Brady and it would be a nice step back for him to kind of redevelop what he's doing and reassess uh, everything with uh, with that team. So we're seeing that. Uh, the Seahawks also promoted their defensive line coach, Clint Hurt, to defensive coordinator. I thought this was a smart play, too. Their pass rush has actually been really good these last few years. Um, and, and I think that's a smart play. Uh, promoting from within, he knows what you're doing. He knows what Pete Carroll wants. Kind of a smart, smart move, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I believe in that as well. Um, a guy that that did get uh, hired on by the 49ers, former Chargers head coach and Lions OC, Anthony Lynn. He's expected to be hired on as a 49ers assistant head coach and offensive advisor. 
this is about where I think he needs to be. I don't think he's, I guess, head coach material per se. Uh, I, I think he's he's actually a decent offensive uh, offensive coordinator too, but I think he's more along the lines of an assistant coach in this situation. I think he's got the experience. Um, what do you think about Anthony Lynn? I I like Anthony Lynn. I I I think he was, and this goes back to earlier a little bit. I think he was let go for no reason from yeah. Chargers. Yeah, I think I I think he is head coach material. They were a 500 football team, um, and and over there with the Chargers, which is why he got let go. I, it was a little up in the air, and then obviously when he went over to the Lions, I guess from what I understand, the as soon as the the play calling abilities on or the play calling was taken away from him uh, over in Detroit, it it kind of changed things, and the the Lions were a lot more successful down the stretch. Yeah, which that is true. Yeah, but um, I, I still have 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 a soft spot there for for Lynn. I I think he still could make a good head coach as long as he has a good OC for play calling. Yeah, he's he's it, it was an interesting situation. I think this is a, a good hire. I think he's going to wind up in a really good situation over there with the Niners, and there's really nothing bad about learning from Kyle Shanahan, right? Um, uh, I guess. I mean, yes. Shanahan will teach you a lot about blowing leads in playoffs. <laughs> I, I think Shanahan uh, that, that his track record in the playoffs is not very good. No, but if you well, Shanahan was uh, he was in a Super Bowl not too long ago. True. You know, to be fair, I, I think a lot of those guys that came off of of um, that I guess they call it the Shanahan tree. You know, you got. Kyle Shanahan and you got LaFleur and, and you got McVeigh and all those guys that came from that Washington coaching tree. They're all successful over so far. They're all successful head coaches. It could be a good situation for him to, to learn more about the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, and it could be a really positive thing. And we could see Anthony Lynn come back fucking roaring back into this league as a head coach. So that could be so exciting. I hope he does. I hope he does too. I, I think that that this is a good situation for him, though, over there with San Francisco. It's going to be a really nice move for him. Um, speaking of the 49ers, now I want to chat about this a little bit because this one kind of frustrated me this past week. So the Vikings, they go ahead and interview for, former 49ers head coach, uh, current University of Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh. They interviewed him for the coaching position. That was on Wednesday, I believe. Um, the Vikings now they, they decided not to go with Harbaugh and they plan to hire Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell as the new head coach uh, after the Super Bowl. Obviously, they can't hire O'Connell before the Super Bowl's over. So they got to wait until either the team got eliminated or they were, you know, the Super Bowl's over. So here's my thing. And, and you and I talked about this a little off the air. I don't think Jim Harbaugh ever wanted to leave the University of Michigan. Do you? I think he did. Really? So I think me and you are a little different. It's because of the statement he made about how he's no longer going to be pursuing other NFL jobs going forward. I think he had a couple teams that he was interested in, and and uh, the vibe didn't feel right, and he chose against it. And then because he chose against it, he didn't take it 100% seriously either. It seems to be the, the impression, but – there seems to be so many different stories here. It's, it's really hard to tell right now. Right. And and everybody's going to have their own opinion of what went on here. Here's my thing. I think Jim Harbaugh, first and foremost, I think Jim Harbaugh went into this interview really not giving a shit. 
he he really didn't. And and all the all the reports say that oh he thought he had this thing wrapped up and he walked in there not giving a shit and whatever the hell else. I think he he didn't give a shit because and he, and he left without an offer. And a lot of people are like, oh well the Vikings just didn't want him. No 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 no. Here's what went on. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, this is what I believe. And and like I said, everybody's going to believe what they're going to believe. Here's what I believe. I believe Jim Harbaugh walked in that interview, not given a shit because he was never had the intention of leaving the university of Michigan. And he knew he was going to walk into that room and he was going to sit down. And, and at that point, what did he have to lose? He, he was going to get an extension with Michigan, but he wanted to make sure that, that he went and made Michigan jealous. First of all, he wanted to make him jealous. It's like, oh, well, I've got my girlfriend over there in the maize and blue, but I'm going to go ahead and hit on the other girl over there in the purple and gold. So he went over there and he wanted to entice Michigan to make him a bigger offer and give him more money. And what did he have to lose? He goes over to the Vikings in this situation and he says, oh, well, uh, and, and the rumor has it that he wanted a, a Gruden-esque deal, 10 years, 10 million per. And he makes this outlandish thing. Well, this is what I want. And the Vikings go, eh. So sure, I can pay you that. And and he knew uh, I'm already making Michigan jealous. They're just going to give me more money. I don't I don't think he had ever had the intention of leaving Michigan, but it was a great acting job, not only on the end of Jim Harbaugh, but on the end of John Harbaugh, because John Harbaugh went on an interview. Oh, yeah. Hire my brother. Hire my brother. All he said was it'd be a good signing. It'd be a smart signing. He didn't say it's only company made on it. I think I think it was it was a good acting job by by the two of them. But but on top of it all, on top of it, I think this whole situation from Vikings fans and this this vibe from Vikings fans, I first and foremost, fans, I I saw you all on Twitter. I saw every one of you on social media. And what were all of you doing? Oh, Jim Harbaugh, he's coming to town. Oh, we're going to sign Jim Harbaugh. I'm so excited. And then when Jim Harbaugh didn't get signed, the Lottie sat there on Twitter and said, well, I didn't want him anyway. I wanted O'Connell the whole time. Like you were some, in some fucking insider, like you knew what the fuck was going on with Bill and you, you saw something like you, you were some type of coaching scout and you saw something negative in Jim Harbaugh that you didn't want from the get go that nobody else knew about. Give me a fucking break. I saw every single one of you guys out on social media with this. And, and I got to tell you, fans, Quit fucking doing this with your skeevy ass fucking pictures of Jim Harbaugh with his face all stretched out from Snapchat. Yeah, quit fucking doing that. It was real skeevy, and I wouldn't have wanted to sign here either with you people doing that type of weird shit with my pictures, okay? But I saw every one of you fans out here losing your minds about Jim Harbaugh. So quit trying to act like you didn't want this guy from the get, because we all wanted him, myself included. And and now that I, I kind of took a step back, I got really, I, I was like, okay, like I was sad about Jim Harbaugh not getting signed, but I'm also in a situation where we're now knowing how he played this thing out and, and feeling like I feel, I really do feel like he was just trying to, to make the University of Michigan give him more money. And I think he probably got more money from him. So there but, is another story here that I, I, I'm not sure the validity on, I've, I've seen a couple of people talk about it mm-hmm. and I guess... And this could have been where – and it doesn't change the fact that once the interview started, there was no interest. But I guess before the interview started, J.J. McCarthy drove his ass all the way to Minneapolis to, to um, basically intercept Harbaugh. Yeah. 
So I don't. I mean, there's a there's a possibility that there is some conversations that we don't know between them. Whether it was Jim Harbaugh seeing 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 that heart of JJ or whatever the case may be, that th- there could have been a conversation that changed Jim from being yes, I want to be a Minnesota's head coach to no, I'm going to stay. Like, there's going to be parts of this that we'll we'll probably never know. I believe it's it's straight up a, a situation where where. It, it, this this isn't it isn't just a a uh, you know uh, uh, it's a money issue. This isn't a oh I want to be a Michigan thing. This is a money issue. Is what it comes down to, and and Michigan offered him more money. I can almost guarantee it. And and it, it, he he figured oh I'll just make some outlandish offer that the Vikings will probably not take. But if they do take it, well shit I get paid. But he was gonna gonna you know throw his his numbers out there. Name your price. Well, here's my price. Well, shit, I can't do that. That's all this was. And and I, I'm I'm pissed about Harbaugh using our team because again we we got used in this situation. Whether anybody wants to admit it, I feel like we got used. We did. We got used by Jim Harbaugh for him to get more money, and I think that's bullshit. And and you know. Am I am I sad that we didn't get Jim Harbaugh? And I, I'm a little angry at at Quasi Adolfo Mensa because it's it's don't bring the guy in and get everybody get everybody's hopes up, and then not sign the guy. You either reel the big fish in or you don't. But but at the end of the day, I think we got used by Jim Harbaugh. So and and I said it to you, and I'll say it right here: fuck the University of Michigan and fuck Jim Harbaugh, because at that point, I will not be a fan of him because you used my franchise. So I'm I'm not a fan of him anymore. Um, as far as Kevin O'Connell goes, look, Vikings fans, whether or not you want to admit it and whether or not you're going to say it, we settled as far as Kevin O'Connell goes. Now, whether or not O'Connell works out, who knows? We'll see. But O'Connell, he was second choice at the end of the day. He was second choice. And we settled on Kevin O'Connell. And I hope he works out. I really do. But he was second choice, just like Quasi Adolfo Mensa. He was second choice. We settled on him as a general manager because Ryan Poles went to Chicago and they didn't let him leave the building. So really, the, the Vikings fans need to understand this. And and again, quit with the skeevy-ass pictures on Twitter. What a fucking, and I don't know if you saw that shit, Tyler. What a weird fucking thing that these guys were doing on Twitter I, with the, the Jim Harbaugh face stretched, looking all weird. I, I'm, God, weird shit. Cut it out. So that's all I got on the Jim Harbaugh situation. But um, we also had another move that went on in your neck of the woods. Uh, Ravens team president Dick Case, he retires after 18 years. Uh, Former Browns GM Sashi Brown gets named the president. I hated this move. I don't care for it. Um, Dick Dick Case has been around a long time. But the president move, it's it's an important role from the organization as a whole. But plays very little on like the what what fans see every day. So I'm not too concerned on, on the on the front end, especially since um, Steve Bashotti is always pretty involved. So I, I don't like the, the 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 play, but I'm also not overly concerned either. Yeah, I wouldn't be overly worried about it. But I Sashi Brown is the same general manager that ran the Browns into the ground. <laughs> so, yeah, so. but so that means he's a he's a bad um eye for talent but uh, the president plays a very different type of role right we'll we'll see what he winds up doing i'm not a big sashi brown fan i i think that 
that that was a kind of a messy move. But hey, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Kind of an interesting thing, uh, to, to say the least. Um, also, the Chiefs, they hired former Jags DC Joe Cullen as the new defensive lines coach. I don't think this is a bad move. Joe Cullen, if you remember, he had a, a couple of years where he had a really good pass rush there. And, and I thought the defensive line did really good over there in, in Jacksonville, didn't, don't you? I, I would agree. Yeah. I think this is a smart play, especially for the, the guys that, that the Chiefs have on that, that defensive line. I think that's a really smart play. Um, it's, it's a good idea. Um, also, Washington has officially announced it's a, their new name. Uh, the Washington Commanders is the new name. Uh, we are no longer with the Washington Redskins or the Washington football team. It is officially the Washington Commanders is the new brand. Uh, I hate it. I think it's it sounds like, and I said it to you too, it's a, it sounds like a Madden team in a franchise mode that just relocated to a different city. But it's better than football team. Yeah, it's better than football team. And I'm so glad that they didn't stick with the football team because that was apparently on the table. But uh, the commanders, uh, Tyler, what do you think? Um, I know you're not fond of the name, but here's what I'm going to say. I think no matter what, um, it, it would have had a mostly hated out, outcome. See, I was it was, looking it was, it was it was it was not not from us, but from the the wide wide stream of of popularity, it 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 was never going to be a popular decision. No, I I think um. I would have I would have been okay with like the Red Tails. I thought that would have been a solid uh, a solid team name, and and really, I think it would that would that was a team name that would have made a, a statement as far as you know because the the Redskins name was always looked at as oh this is a racist thing. Well, if you put the Red Tails on your on your uniforms, I think that that completely takes away and not only does it does it take away the racial undertone of Redskins, but it, it, you know, the red tails were, were, I mean, isn't that a complete flip flop here? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is not, and I think they feel like commanders is, but it probably doesn't help too much. No, no. I mean, it's, it, it, it was, I mean, the red tails would have, would have been, in my opinion, better. I mean, it's about, it's, it's Tuskegee airmen. You know, a group of African American United States Army Air Force guys from World War II. I think that's that. <laughs> that would have been great. I would have loved that name, and I think you know, it would it would have definitely shut a lot of people up because people do feel like Dan Snyder is of the same mold of of as you know um, McNair over there with the Texans. Uh, a lot of people look at at ownership with Houston as as a racist organization, and people kind of look at Dan Snyder in the same fashion. And and I think that would have completely changed that narrative. I, I thought that would have been a smarter move, but maybe that's just my opinion. Um, instead, they go with the Commanders, which I'm, eh, eh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the. the but but no, I I do think that no matter what they came up with, there was going to be a, a sense of backlash anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, I I'm not a I'm not a big fan of of the Commanders name. They're going to like because like. Like and, and and I think a lot of that comes from the fan base. Like 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 be be completely honest with me. If if tomorrow Minnesota decided to change their name, you're gonna be you're gonna dislike every single one. Yeah. Well. No yeah. matter what. Yeah, I agree. I they, agree. They they could name the Minnesota Scott Ryan's and you're still gonna hate it. I don't know about that. I would probably. You know, but you know you know what I mean. Send him a picture of my face. <laughs> but you know yeah. what I mean. Like. 
when you when you've been a fan of a team for a long time, it's or or you've or you've watched a team for a long time, it's gonna it's gonna be hard pressed to, to get people to accept it. Right, right. I, I I'm with you there, and and I I think. I don't know. The, and eventually, maybe the commanders will will grow on me. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but which know. it probably will because I started to kind of get used to football team. <laughs> much I hate it. I mean, we started getting used to it. Yeah, started getting used to football team. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. And then it's it's kind of on board with like like uh, city changes too. Like when, when the chargers moved from San Diego to LA, I was calling him San Diego for like the longest time, <laughs> even in spite of the fact that they were in LA, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that'll be an interesting little, uh, fiasco there. Uh, but yeah, we, we've got, um, we've got that going on. And then we also have, uh, the Broncos, they've announced that they're going to be, they're beginning the sale process of the Denver Broncos team. Um, what do you make of this, Tyler? Whenever a team goes to a new owner, that like, we talked about, we just talked about presidents, but new owners that is is a bigger deal. Yeah. And are there any? I know we we just got announced that that they're looking. Is there is there is anybody come forward saying that they're interested in purchasing a sports team? Um, I there there's been quiet rumblings. I don't know if anybody has has come out and um. You know, necessarily, and I'm I'm gonna look that up right now because I because I, I I know like for the Lions, and I I know you don't like the Lions, but you, but you're in Detroit, so you you hear the rumblings. Um, everyone hates the Fords, yeah. and the then there's yeah. always one name that comes up when it comes to buying the Lions, Dan Gilbert. Yeah, Dan Gilbert's the is the is the one synonymous name that everyone wishes would buy the Lions. Yeah, yeah, people right now they they. They say that the Broncos aren't up for sale, or they are up for sale, but the the price tag is is obviously you know. What's super- the price tag? Uh, let me see here. One uh, for sale, Pat Bowen Trust, because it is his family that that is selling it. Um. See, I don't I don't know. Uh, recently valued the team at three point seven five billion. Yikes. Yeah, so <laughs> they're a very they're a very historical franchise too. So I don't I don't that, that number doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, you're you're about to see a huge sale there um, for for uh, the, the the Broncos. Um, also uh, around the NFL, the NFL has awarded one million dollars to the University of the California San Diego and the University of Regina to study the impact of cannabis and CBD on pain management. Um, I love this. I think this is a step in the right direction for the NFL as a whole, um, as far as like getting out from underneath, like all the, the, you know, weed stuff and, and, you know, drug tests and everything else. I mean, obviously they're still going to do random drug tests on guys for steroids and, and PEDs and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, th- this is, this could be a good step in the right direction to get, get away from suspending guys for weed. Right. Yes. I mean, you but saw Gordon, Josh Gordon. Gordon for a long time. But here's the rabbit hole you run into, and I think I know the answer. But uh, if you make this change, do you retroactively pay people that have gotten suspended for games for, for, for weed? No, I don't think so. Because at that time, it was illegal. 
at that time it, it wasn't allowed to be used and and understanding you know how the world changes and whatnot it, it's kind of like you know you, you got in trouble for speeding five years ago and you you had to pay a hundred and twenty dollar fine but since then the law has changed and it's become a hundred dollar fine what are we going to do are we going to send $20 checks to everybody that paid the $120 fine? No, because they broke the law as it was at the time. The the yeah, rule- I think there are certain things where that'd be different. Like for example, like if you went to prison for something and then that then that it's been deemed that's no longer illegal. I think those people should be released, but from a fine perspective, yeah, I'd agree with you. You know, but you get what I'm saying. And I, I yeah. think that's kind of what it is for for Josh Gordon. You know, and and uh, I, I don't think they're going to retroactively pay the people that have been suspended for it, but it could be a rule change for the NFL, and it could be a really good thing for them, um, and and a step in the right direction for some of these players that are dealing. And and that's why a lot of the guys do smoke weed. Obviously, you know, some some want to have fun, but a lot of them will smoke weed and stuff because of the fact that they're just trying to to have a degree of pain management, and um, you know, and and the CBDs and whatnot. So that could be a really positive thing in the NFL. So good on them for, for making that move. Um, next up the chiefs GM, Brett, uh, Brett beach, looking to get extensions done for safety, Tyron Matthew linebacker and defensive end, Melvin Ingram and left tackle Orlando Brown this season. I think I, to be honest with you, the only one that I'm not sold on getting an extension is Orlando Brown. I think Melvin Ingram's had himself a really good year. I think Tyron Matthew has obviously had himself a good set of years. He's only 29 years old. I think you re-sign Matthew and Ingram, but Orlando Brown, eh, I'm not so sold on. How about you? They have to. They gave up too much. Really? They gave up a first rounder for him. Well, then you're going to sign up. You're going to sign and up he, all that money on top of it when you're already in kind and, of a. And, and, and they give all that, and, and the, but and Andy, Andy performed to that value too. And he had another very good year. Yeah. Yeah. I think you I, have to. You gave up a lot for him. No more than a year ago. I want to. I want to see um, how good of a year he had, because you're going to wind up, you know, really choking up. I mean, he had a, a decent year. He was a little, little rough around the edges as far as his run blocking goes, but yeah, he had a pretty good year. Um, there's, there's some injury concerns for me there as far as Orlando Brown goes. Injury concerns. Injury concerns. Because he, he hurt. Is he hurt this year? Because he never missed a game for Ravens. Uh. I thought he missed – didn't he miss an entire season for you guys? You're thinking Stanley. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking Ronnie Stanley. You are right. You are right. Yeah, Orlando Brown was mad that he didn't get to start. You're right. Um, then, yeah. no, I'm not having concerns. No, I, I don't know. I, Orlando Brown, I'm, if, if he can improve his run blocking grades, that that would be the big thing. The but, Ra- Yeah, the Ravens got a uh, a first, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Wow. So I got a haul for that. I also gave up a second and a sixth, which which oh, counts okay. off some of that. But that's still that's that's a lot to give up for a guy you're only going to use for one season. Yeah, yeah. So that's so fair. to me that actually makes him at the top of the list of who you're resigning. Oh, but man. you're also going to pay him too. So you you wouldn't you wouldn't be put Tyron Matthew at the at the top of the list there. Matthew wasn't that good. He was I mean, decent. He's not been that good this year. He had a, he had a down year this year, but I think Tyron Matthew, you know, I I think he's going to be going to be worth the money. 
Um, I, I don't think he's going to be worth what he's going to ask for based on this year. So you think Tyron's gone, huh? I do. Wow. I wouldn't resign him unless you want, he's willing to take under top 10 money. Really? Oh, maybe at 10, but he's going to want like top five money. Yeah. And then obviously Melvin Ingram, he needs to be resigned. Yes. He needs to be resigned. Short term because he is on the wrong side of the age spectrum. Yeah, he's getting he's getting close to that uh that uh age issue there. I mean he's born in nineteen eighty nine, so he's thirty two years old, but he's coming off one of his, his best years um as a pro. Seventy nine point seven overall grade. He had an eighty three point five I would I would do a two year deal with him. Yeah, I would give him about a two year deal. Maybe three if he's lucky. But I I mean he's He's had himself a hell of a year this and year. He'll be 33 when the season starts. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I, I, I would re-sign him maybe a two, possibly a three on the high end, but that that's about as far as I go. I just, I, in, 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 in a league where finding good linemen are hard to find, to me it's hard to pass up on a 25-year-old Orlando Brown. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. I mean, at 25 years old, he's one of the best in the league. So I'm going to see. Like you, uh, you can lock, if you can get the right number, and because and, he's he's playing left tackle for them, correct? Which yes, is what he wanted to do. Yep. To me, you uh, you lock him in on a seven year deal. Ooh, that big, huh? That big. Um, at least five. Yeah, I think lock him until thirty. Yeah, I think at least five. Judging by you know the most recent uh, big name tackle to get signed was Brian O'Neill. And uh, O'Neal got himself a hefty payday too, so we'll see what. what and as did as did Stanley. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what he uh, what he winds up getting. Do you think he gets more than Stanley? No. Really? Um, when Stanley got his contract, he was performing like 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 a top top three tackle left tackle in in the league. And even before his injury, he was too. But he's been, but in the last year and a half, he's been dealing with the same injury. So there's that. But. And I don't. Then, I, it's Stanley got twenty million dollars a year. I, I don't think Brown gets that. Yeah, that's a little much. Well, um, I could see him getting seventeen, eighteen. I could see that. I could see that a, a higher end. Yeah, I could. I could see that happening. Um, just depends on their cap situation. Also, over with the Niners, John Lynch is looking to get extensions done for Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. Um, I think yes, these and yes, that these need to be these need to happen. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I can't even prioritize one over the other here. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they, those two are just must signs. Right. I mean, you, you can't just let them go. You figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You, you give them their extensions, period. You just you just call it at that. Um, the Rams. Uh, now, I will say. I, I guess I would prioritize Nick Bosa higher because of the uh, durability. Yeah, I will say there's an argument to be made about making Debo play one more year before you talk. Yeah, you could, I could make that argument, sure. Um, there, but there, he's going to want his extension. I don't think he's going to wind up being a holdout or anything like that. I, I don't think Debo's that kind of guy. But, um, yeah, you, you do want to start getting in those extension talks and getting him situated there for the long term. So, and, and that might be smart. Even, after, even if he only gets paid, like, his rookie salary for the next several years. Um, well, I don't you know, think he's going to take that. I, I think, well, he gets paid his rookie salary and then his, his extension kicks in. Um, you know, a year or two later. Okay, great. But you're, but if, you're, but if next, but if the next year he proves he can't stay stay healthy, that's that's a problem too. It becomes a problem. Yep. So 
We'll see. And I, and I, and I love Debo. <laughs> Don't get me wrong here. You know but, how much I love Debo Samuel. <laughs> yeah. I, there's just, I want to see another year of, so he's, he'd be going to year four. Year four, yep. So I, I assume they took his fifth year extension because why wouldn't you? Well, he wasn't. They they don't have a fifth year on him because he wasn't a first rounder. Oh, so next year is his is his is his deal. Yep, next year is is his his uh, rookie year is up. I think because of the injury bug in his first two years, I hate doing it. I think you you play in tag. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, and then bef- before the season starts, you get a deal made. Yeah, you you're gonna have to you're gonna yeah you could you you, could tag. you you tag him to keep him restricted and then before the season starts he has his long term deal set. Yeah, that might be the smart play. And it's only because last year he played he only played seven games. Yeah, yeah, he was hurt. He was hurt all of uh, 2020 for the most part. So, but when he was out there this year, something else. That guy is something else. Oh no, he's he's a stud. Yeah. Um, getting into some Super Bowl news, we've got uh, Ram safety Eric Weddle. He plans on returning to retirement after the Super Bowl. Was it nice to see Eric Weddle for the playoffs? It was nice to see Weddle. I don't know. I know, I know they had the injury bug, but I don't know how much Weddle was a game changer versus just picking up anybody. And I and I like Eric Weddle. I, well, he, he's not the same Weddle of old. He led the team in tackles in the NFC title game. Did he really? Yes, he did. So interesting. Okay. Uh, tidbit there. So Weddle is, he is playing at a decent level, a good enough level, but Ram safety Taylor Rapp, he's been a full participant in practice after being out for the last couple of weeks with a concussion. So we will see Taylor Rapp likely back on the field, um, you know, for the, uh, the Super Bowl here. I'm excited to see Taylor Rapp back. Aren't you? Mm-hmm. I am too. Yep. And we already talked about him a little bit, but CGO Uzama, he suffered the MCL sprain in the AFC title game versus the chiefs. He got carted off the field he could still play in the Super Bowl. He is listed as questionable. We're not sure, but but he could still play. Um, the injuries for the Super Bowl are as follows, just so we're, we're keeping up. Uh, Jalen Ramsey right now, he's listed as questionable with a shoulder injury. Now, mind you, we still have another week here to go. So Jalen Ramsey obviously going to be resting. Cam Akers, he has a shoulder injury. He's listed as questionable. Uh, those are two big hits if they can't get those guys on the field. Van Jefferson. He has a knee injury. He's listed as questionable. Uh, he was out of the NFC title game. Linebacker Christian Roseboom. He has an elbow uh, in his elbow injury. He's questionable. Left tackle Andrew Whitworth. He's got a quadricep injury. He's listed as questionable. Tight end Tyler Higby. We saw him get carried off the field um, last week. He's got a knee injury. He's listed as doubtful. And an offensive tackle, Joe Noteboom, he's got a uh, chest injury. He's listed as doubtful as well. The ones that raise my uh, uh, alert level a little bit, Jalen Ramsey, Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, Andrew Whitworth. I think all four of those guys not being on the field are would be huge issues for the Rams, don't you? Oh, big time. Yeah, those guys are are the big ones. Over on the Bengals side, uh, injury designations, C.J. Uzama, he's li- got a knee injury. He's listed as questionable. Uh, offensive guard Jackson Carmen, he's got a back injury. He's listed as questionable. Um, wide receiver Stanley Morgan, he's got a hamstring injury. He's questionable. Uh, defensive end Cameron Sample, 
uh, he's listed with a groin. I'm sorry, that's tight end rather. Cam Sample. He's he's with a groin injury. He's questionable. And defensive tackle Josh Tupo. He's uh, got a knee injury. He's listed as questionable. Uzama and Jackson Carmen are the two that really um, make me go, huh? What's that? So those are the ones that that have me uh, concerned. Like I said, though, we've got a week to go. So we could see those uh, injury designations cha- designations change, but we're not sure yet. So we're, we're going to find out. But that's our news around the league, Tyler. Before we take off here, I, I want to go ahead and I want to jump into we, – we do have the draft around the, the corner here. And I want to talk a little bit about some of our QB prospects. We I have five top quarterback prospects that I was looking into, and I, I really uh, checked them out, and uh, I want to jump into them. So – First and foremost, let me talk about uh, Kenny Pickett here from Pitt. Um, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2021, 39 touchdowns in 2020. He doubled that number in 2021. So, I mean, and obviously we know a lot about Kenny Pickett. He can make plays with his legs. Um, he can make throws uh, despite contact. He has a tendency to bail out of the pocket a little too quickly despite having the ability to stand strong in the pocket. But he can deliver the football very effectively. Um, he's a big athletic guy. I like Kenny Pickett a lot. Um, the, the one big question that that I, I don't understand this, and it drives me crazy, questions about his hand size. Is this just like the most ridiculous thing in the world to, you, to me? or it, it, What do you make of that? I think they look at hand size in a level of like being able to grip the football. So I think they look at hand size of how easy it's going to be to make you fumble that ball. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I, I hate it. I, I think it's kind of a silly thing. We've seen guys with small hands really excel at, at, at the pro level as quarterbacks. Um, and, and Kenny Pickett is, is going to be one of those guys, I think. And, and he's going to have to develop a little bit. He's a little bit of a gunslinger. But I really like him a lot. He's my number one prospect out of Pitt there um, as far as the quarterbacks go. Uh, number two is a guy that not a lot of people are talking about, and, and they should be because he was the top quarterback um, before this, this season happened because he had a down, he had a really rough like down 2021. It's Sam Howell of North Carolina. Um, not, enough, not enough people are talking about him. He was the front runner. And, uh, you know, a lot of people right now are making him seem like like a day two draft pick. And I'm kind of like, eh, I really like Sam Howell a lot. Um, doesn't have the arm strength of a lot of the other participants in this class, but he can really throw the ball. Like, he, he does have quite the fastball on the short and intermediate routes. Um, you know, he had a really bad offensive line this past year. But the kicker about that is just kind of by, by proxy, he sort of become, became a dual threat quarterback. He learned how to run the ball. I like Sam Howell a lot. I think that any team that gets this guy is going to get a stud. And if they have a good offensive line, I think Sam Howell could wind up being a starter in this league, don't you? I think he has a good good chance if he, if he, if he goes to the right staff. We've seen this year the couple very talented players in the Zach Wilson and Lawrence that the wrong staff can be dangerous. Yeah, and and he he's come out like like I if you look at like everything that he did before 2021, he was good, but he was still really like the stud player for North Carolina. The, the offensive line was just really bad. I mean, and he's a really smart guy. He knows how to to read the defense. He knows how to to make pre-snap adjustments. I mean, it's it's he's going to be a really good player, I think. I I I think people should be paying attention a little more to to Sam Howell. Um, number three is Matt Coral out of Ole Miss. Uh, 
you know, he is his draft stock has has you know skyrocketed from this past season. Um, he's a really mobile guy. I like Matt Coral a lot. He's got a big arm. Um, he can stand strong in the pocket and and really accurately deliver passes to Q, to wide receivers that are like in stride. Um, the thing about it is is that he was in Lane Kiffin's RPO heavy scheme over there in Ole Miss, and I, I really think that it's it's going to be a, a tough thing for him if he's going to wind up transitioning to that pro style of an offense. Um, he does have a little bit of a lack of a size problem as well, but a lot of people are saying that this guy's a true leader. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I like Matt Coral. Um, I think he could wind up being a stud. I think people are are really looking at him right now as, as him and Pickett right now as the top two guys. But I, I really think um, Sam Howell's being overlooked in, in favor of Matt Coral. What do you think of this kid uh, as far as his talent goes? <sighs> I think he's being a little overhyped a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't mind him. I he just strikes me as one of those guys that's not gonna correlate well to the NFL. I could be completely wrong on that, but someone's gonna is gonna end up taking him with with the high end draft pick. Yeah. Yeah, I think somebody's gonna wind up, you know, snagging him probably in the late teens, early twenties is where I think he's gonna go. I really like Matt Cole. I think he's he's um you know, I think he's a little overhyped, I agree with you. But I do think that, that he could wind up being a stud in the NFL if, if he goes to the right spot. Um, a guy that everybody seems to be talking about, and especially at the Senior Bowl this last week, his his draft stock went up big time. Malik Willis out of Liberty is my number four. Um, he's been drawing a lot of comparisons to Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's got a really powerful arm. He's a really mobile guy. Um, he's able to stand strong in the pocket. He can deliver passes under pressure. He's not very accurate. That's that's one of the big knocks on him. Um, and then, you know, he started the year really, really strong this year and then wound up, you know, throwing 12 picks over the, the back half of the, the season. Um, he hasn't really shown the ability to read the field, and he has a tendency to run out of, like, clean pockets to make plays running with the ball rather than attempting to just read through his progressions and make his throws. Um, but his arm, they, they're saying his arm, the, the – the best term I've heard used to describe his arm is that it's a piss missile. A piss missile is what they call it. So um, I think Malik Willis is getting a lot of hype here. Do you think he's going to be as good as a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? I I don't. I I I, I, I think he's he has all the, all the talent in the world to to be that mobile quarterback. I, I I don't see it be on the same levels I see Lamar, Josh Allen, or Kyler, or even Jalen Hurts. Right. And then number five on my list, and last, and this will be like the last part of the show here, uh, Desmond Ritter um, out of Cincinnati. You know, we saw him in the college football playoff. He was a four-year starter. Um, he has really good arm strength, and, and he can hit passes all levels of the field. Um, there's a lot of questions about his accuracy, um, and, and he's durable, though. He's willing to push himself. He played through a 2019 injury. You know, it. it it's just... He's, he's got a 55% completion percentage. Um, and, and one thing that, that he's very inconsistent. So one thing they found is, is he'll throw the ball real deep down the field and, and just drop it right in the bucket. But then, you know, when you get down to those the, the next play, he'll get a short little throw and he'll completely miss the receiver. So it's, it makes it kind of uh, an interesting thing. Most people really feel like Ritter could develop into a viable NFL starter if the accuracy issues improve. I kind of, I'm kind of there. You know, I, I think he could be an NFL starter. He understands the pro style. 
Um, I like Desmond Ritter. I think he goes late in the first round, maybe early in the second. But, yeah, he's he's a guy that, that not enough people are giving credit to. Um, but I could see Desmond Ritter going in that range. So those are my top five quarterback prospects. What do you make? What do you make of Desmond Ritter? Ritter's been all over the place. At some points, he's been like really high, and then the, the beginning of this year happened, and we all know what happened there. I yeah. still like Ritter. I do too. I, I do like Ritter. I think he can. I think he, out of all the quarterbacks in this class, I think he's him and Pickett are the two guys that could probably pick up the pro style offense. Um, don't. Don't that, don't say don't 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 Rosen curse the kids. No no no. But they could pick up the pro style offense, um, uh, you know, more than uh, uh, the other guys in this class. I think Malik Willis is is kind of an interesting one. A lot of people are giving him a lot of love. People got to realize though that he did play at Liberty. You know, it's not like he was playing in the SEC here. You know, we we were he's a Liberty quarterback. Right. Um. But. You know, a lot of a lot of these guys, they they could be good. I I really like Kenny Pickett a lot. Um, I think people, like you said, are kind of overhyping Matt Coral a little bit or Corral as as it is. Um, but Sam Howell is probably my favorite right now coming out of the draft, and we'll see how he turns out. But I think Sam Howell, you know, people should be giving him a lot more consideration than they are. So um, yeah, those are my my top five quarterbacks moving into the draft next week, I'll be diving into running backs a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I'm excited for the draft around the corner. We still have free agency super bowl next week. Um, Tyler, are you feeling stoked? We got pulled pork going out on the, on the smoker smoker. Uh, all you had to see was smoker. I'm good. Amen. <laughs> so you will be, uh, in, and then next week we're going to have the, the wonderful cannonball Alex Steele on board with us as well. So I'm excited for all that on uh, Saturday night, the night before the Super Bowl. So we're all fired up. But uh, folks, uh, we just I do get... have a little bit of breaking news. What? We have breaking news. It's soft breaking news. We don't need to blow the horns for it. No, no, it's breaking news, Tyler. We're we're playing it. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. The Ravens. Uh-huh. Mike McDonald has made okay. his first move. Oh, what do you do? In bringing over. Now former Michigan defensive linebacker coach Ryan Osborne okay. to the staff. Oh, boy. It's not been disclosed at what position he'll take, but I think it's pretty obvious after the firing of Rob Ryan last week that he'll be taking over the linebacker core for the Ravens. Yeah, that's probably the route it's going. And and, and we're talking a guy who's – I don't want to say turned around because the kid has been good, but a guy that's really uh, helped bring out the talents of Aiden Hutchinson this year. Absolutely. I, I believe in that. That's that's smart. That's a smart play. I like that move a lot. And and to be honest with you, the, the Ravens need all the linebacker help they can get because their linebackers this year were weirdly not impressive. And, and, and part of that's injury, too. But part of it's the, I mean, from a talent perspective, it's not really been there. Yeah, exactly. So that's a smart play. Um, before we get out of here, Tyler, I want to give a shout out over to It's Your Time Massage. Uh, get over to It's Your Time Massage. Get yourself a massage at IYTMassage.com. You can also check her out at It's Your Time Massage LLC on Facebook. Amanda's a wonderful massage therapist. She does tremendous work. And uh, get yourself a massage at It's Your Time Massage. Also, a shout out to Face Kicked Apparel over there, Sean Stockmeyer and company. They do great work. All your custom shirts, hoodies, Hats, beanies, anything you want, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. And um, Tyler, 
Super Bowl around the corner. We're stoked. And uh, next week, we'll be back on with the Cannonball Alex deal with more news and stuff around the league. And we will be seeing you next week. All right, bub? Next week. All right, man. We'll see you next week. And we'll see you folks next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz. And be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.